Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Oh, wake me up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the oh, 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 oh. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Darn R in the morning, a Tuesday edition. Welcome aboard. He's Rudy. I'm Rob. Easy E on the other side of the double pane glass. Day two. Back from Dallas Cowboy training camp. Though camp continues in full stride. How are you this morning? I'm fine. And yourself? I'm all right. It's Tuesday. <laughs> What's that? What does that even mean? I mean, it's Tuesday in every sense of the word. Got you. You know what I mean? Back at home, that's 105. Yeah, man, I, I just hate it. I hate it yesterday. Yeah, I was acting like a little California diva. Morning, 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 YouTubers. Morning, early birds. Yeah, I was acting like a diva yesterday, complaining about the weather to anybody that would listen. And I'm sure they were like, dude, at least you got a week away. We got a week away from it. So there's that. Yeah, we missed uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, camp yesterday. Said goodbye to one kicker. They'll say goodbye to the other one eventually. You don't think Aubrey's going to make the cut? and I what? Those were the same guy. They were. Aubrey and Vizcaino were the same guy. Yeah, I was so on. One of them yeah. gets cut. <laughs> I was, you know, I was on with Pledge yesterday in uh, extra innings, and he was he gave me their numbers for camp. I think Aubrey's missed like nine, and Vizcaino had missed like twelve. <laughs> I saw Vizky miss four in a row on Saturday. I mean, I hope he already had packed his. Bags. Well, we watched Aubrey go one of three yeah. when you and I were standing there Tuesday. So, and, and you know, some he actually missed more than those. Yeah. And I don't know why, how the what the accounting method was, but from my math, Aubrey was actually worse than what yeah, they're see, telling us. Exactly. So I'm just wondering if who was um, tasked to watch every kick from every from both kickers and kept these numbers like 26 of 35 as Aubrey. So that's the guy that kept the job so far. Aubrey, according to PSI, was 26 of 35. <laughs> this is this is practice. Um, well, uh, this the, is no wind, <laughs> no no seventy thousand screaming, no timeout to ice you, and it really does come down to just two different schools of thought, and we're going to talk about it at six fifteen about your idea about a kicker. Now, there's the right school of thought, and What's then that? there's the wrong school of thought, and we'll figure out which is right and which is wrong. But some of it is fantasy football influenced, and others of it is just you know professional football influence and salary influence and pray. So, 
So, yeah, and then there's just like <laughs> every guy great. is about the same guy. It's just a matter if they're hot or not. It's like finding a right crap stable. We'll talk about that at 6.15. There's some inter- we, there was an article dropped yesterday by Joey Epstein that we really didn't get a chance to get into that is really interesting about this process of getting the passing game reconfigurated under shoddy. See, we can say that now. Shoddy. Can we, can we call and, him shoddy? Yeah, we can say we, Okay. And then uh, McCarthy, Mike. Mike and shoddy. On uh, the prep work, getting involved in getting the quarterbacks and the wide receivers on the same page, and it's really interesting to see how you how the coaching staff has broken it down into these individual things that are including the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, uh, kind of working together in ways that the Cowboys hadn't done before. But the fact is, I kind of thought the way that the Cowboys are doing it now was the way that every NFL team did it. But we're going to talk about it at six fifteen, and it does kind of. When you look at what they're doing now and you say you weren't doing that then, what they were doing then makes sense, if that makes any sense. There's, yeah. Well, you can see why maybe there are some flubs. Maybe they weren't on the right page. You can see maybe why Kellen Moore is gone. Maybe, maybe there's a reason why Kellen is actually really gone. And Mike did initiate it. The, around the NFL, of course. You see Bridgewater got signed. He's, uh, he landed in the He's Detroit. a lion. I'm glad he's still around. That's the most hard luck guy in the NFL history. I've always yeah, felt bad. His need, and um, what was it? What are we? August? Remember July eighth, just a month ago. Man, the Texans! Oh my gosh, I'm excited. I love D'Amico. Look at all the signings. They're getting the offensive line together. And then now you fast forward to August eighth, and two linemen down, and a. A minority owner since the team, you know, came into existence in 2002 is in hot water for sexual assault in Kentucky. And he still he hasn't been forced to sell the team, sell his share, but he has been taken away from all team activities. Right. You know, that that's awful for the Texans. But there's a when there's this old saying. One of my early mentors told me when there is blood on the streets by the land around it. Okay. There is going to be a rush to buy this dude's shares. If he has to sell them. Well, the the latest valuations of the NFL franchises are out, or then all the professional franchises, NFL included. Um, the Cowboys are head and shoulders above the rest, the rest of the world, man. It is the, the, the way and the amount of money being created and just disseminated amongst these 32 NFL teams. We'll include most of the NBA in there, too, and also the upper level of baseball. It's it's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. The dollar amounts. Absolutely. Now you figure out why Jerry has a big old boat. Yeah, you're clearing a billy in profit. After you've paid everybody. Profit. I'm talking about all the way down to the people that clean the stadium. So, you've paid everybody, and you go home with a billy. I, I, you know what? If I'm sitting at home today... My name is Zach Martin, and I oh, here you go, and I here see go. that the team I'm playing for last go. last year, not just over ten years, last year made one billion dollars due to the efforts of essentially fifty three men. And you can't pay me a couple of milli more. You're telling me to go get in line, and you're telling you're, you're enforcing yes. this fake salary yes. cap. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's salary why, cap. That's why it shouldn't be one. No, you're right. Zach there Martin's should like, not be a salary, salary cap. cap? Like, you guys oh, made a billion. 
million dollars, right. and you're telling me I can't come back and get in line for six years because I'm asking for another five, ten million a year? You made a billion last year. Billion. Oh, but what on about, my back. What about Cleveland and Cincinnati? I don't care. This is big boy pro sports. Why should I have to worry about the teams 26 through 32 who really don't care about winning and are just trying to make money? There should be no sal- – the NFL was fine with no salary cap. The salary cap in a league where teams are clearing a billion dollars after they've paid all their bills has a salary cap so the little guys can eat. And keep in mind, every team took home $375 million just for showing up. Just for showing up, you make $375 million and we're dealing with a league that makes this much money. But yet there's a salary cap so the little guys can make get some of the players. That is stupid. Well, we're seeing what the free market looks like in college sports as the money is being chased all over the country. And the latest bizarro twist in this is Cal and Stanford might become a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yes, the two schools whose campuses open up to the Pacific will all be part of the ACC. Actually, in this modern day, How about, it makes you as know, much sense as anything else. Cruising the PCH and then going to the Head to Raleigh Durham for yeah. the Golden Triangle games. I, I, I as no. far as the institutions, it makes perfect sense. It's just the miles that are going to be involved yeah. in the in the games. But you desperate know, times call for desperate measures. It's three out four hours across the country. I mean, it is what it is. As the uh, conferences continue to shuffle around, it's funny the way that we talked about the NFL. It certainly does feel what this is what college is. Chasing the money, chasing the money. I mean, we heard Dion say, you know, we get mad at the players for chasing the money, yet that's what we're doing as institutions. We're chasing the money. One of the reasons the NFL continues to just boom financially is the advent of gambling, as it's being not only institutionalized inside the league, it's now legal in lots of the states where the teams are playing. But the problem with the gambling is, damn it, the players want to do it too. No, the NFL, man, I, when I when I finally got to read this story in full and I heard from the congressmen and women like, hey, OK, yeah, yeah, NFL, we know we know there's been a problem with illegal gambling for a while. But can we ask you about the problem you have with your players? And the NFL response is we're not talking about that. And they shouldn't. We're not going to talk about that. We only want to talk about the illegal gambling. All right. All right, NFL. I see you working. What a joke. Like, hey, help us, help us, help us. But don't ask us what's going on in our behind our closed doors, but we want your help. Well, because we don't want to know what's going on behind closed doors. I, I, there, I don't know how you fix it, and there's always been access to gambling. If you wanted to gamble, whether it be on an app or the dude around the corner, your suite mate in your dorm room, which my first book was a suite mate. Yeah. Whose was it? Whose was it? Yeah, exactly. Was my first book. I had another book who was a deputy in a courthouse. I won't name the courthouse. Yeah, of course not. We're not doing that. Uh, But I will tell you that Um, gambling has always been available. This is not anything new. It's just the prevalence and the utter fear. See, the NFL cannot. Once we feel like there's a worry, oh, as far as you talking about the integrity, yes. Oh. So they that's why, help, 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 but we ain't telling you what we're doing because you don't want to know how bad this could or might be. I don't know what the fix is. Uh, yeah. We all can kind of dance around the subject, but it is a subject that does matter. There's somebody on the YouTube will pop up here in a few minutes. Hey, if you need, if you guys want to get any action. Yeah. They're, 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 I mean, you, you know what I mean, Rob? It's like, is it as useless? That's my question. Dude. Is gam- the war on gambling as useless as the war on drugs? Well, 
I, I, no, it's not as useless as that. Because no, nah, you know what? Useless is the wrong yeah, wrong I, word. I would say it's troubled. tough to figure out. Yeah, because we know. I the, think universally, we all can agree that the players shouldn't be gambling on the games they're playing. Well, I think we all can go. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's a fair that's statement. That's fair. I mean, but after that. That's what all the questions. If you can't gamble on this game, can you gamble on that game? Well, I don't know. But, but I'm just saying, like, you know, we're, are you really worried about your college bookie? Like, is that what the NFL is really asking Congress for help with? Like, the college bookie or the, the deputy sheriff, no. whoever you said? Are they really worried I, about that? Well, see, the problem with the answer to the question is an invasion of privacy. The, the answer to the NFL's question is, we want to be able to track our guys to the nth degree. I want to be able to know... Where he's at, if he's online, but see, they're not. Gambling. But and they're not a, gonna get that. But they're not asking them for help with that. They're oh. asking them for it, betting on illegal, illegally gambling. See, that's why they're not talking about it. How do you think we found out those dudes are gambling in their buildings? Right, geofencing. Yeah, and all so types that, of crap. I mean, the the answer to the question is an invasion of privacy beyond belief. So well, I don't know where you go. Well, if you don't want us to help with what's going on behind your closed doors, then don't ask us for help well, outside of your clo- outside of your doors. Uh, we talked a bit about the college football world deck being shuffled yet again. Nick Saban is greatly concerned, and yeah. rightfully so. I, yeah, but. I, I just I, I have so I, I have just one big question for Nick: What rivalries are you talking about that went away? Because last time I checked, you're still going to play Auburn. Well, he's talking about Bedlam and. The Apple Cup and all those hundred years. Oh, oh, so now all of a sudden Nick's worried about what's going on in the Pac-12. Nick, Nick, sometimes, man, like Nick, he gets. Shouldn't shouldn't we be worried? I mean, no, I'm not. But no, well, actually, what about? I suffered through it. I mean, I know what it's like. And guess what? And guess what? Your 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 program is in a much better space, and you haven't played Texas in over a decade. That's just us, though. I'm just saying that there is something to the lineage of college sports is those age old rivalries where. Maybe you might not watch a game. You might not win any other games. But as long as you won that game, your alumni were satisfied. And those are going away. And, and that's some of them. Well, some, some, many, many of them are going away. Many of them. We've got state schools separated. We've got schools that were in the same conferences gone. So, yeah, no, well, we're losing more than half, I would say. I mean, there's some tough ones that are gone. I think you and Nick are over-exaggerating. I mean, I like like I said. Well, OU's, it's easy for you to oh, say, but you're not an alumni of a school that's not like if my parents went to Oklahoma State and the OU game was it. I mean, that was what they grew up with, and that's gone. And guess what? You particularly have no interest in playing Texas. You've said that on these airways many a times. Like, I don't care if we don't play them, and I know a bunch of people that, well, that don't care. Our every situation is different. I mean, oh, this so was now situ- the situation is different. OU's still going to play Texas. Bama's still going to play Auburn. Georgia's still going to play Florida. I'm telling you, Ohio State's still going to play Michigan. Yeah, those are gone. But there's 50 others. They're still there. There's 50 others that are gone, is what I'm saying, that you don't care about, and I don't care about either. But when we're talking about the alumni support, what it means to these universities, like I I will tell you, the years that Oklahoma State beats OU, the alumni contributions – Increase. They make more money that year than they don't, and that's going away. There's things that are going away that are unfortunate. I mean, progress is progress. There are traditions are made to be broken, and that's just part of growing out of it. But I will say, this is a time of my gosh, it's chaos, mm-hmm. and it's not a fortunate situation. This is an awful situation. Well, and 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 we look up ten years from now, no one will care. 
Just uh, like now. It's going like, to I mean, we don't know. When's the last time you brought up the fact that Nebraska hadn't played one of their rivals that they used to have I back when they're in the I don't care, as I said. But I'm I saying, will tell so you, there are I'm, people that do care, what and it's I'm, awful. But what I'm telling you is, in 10 years, no one cares. Well, we're still talking about us not playing Texas 10 years later. And you didn't want to. Well, that's just me. I'm one guy. But and I'm and saying. A, and a bunch and, of your fellow alumni feel the same way. I would yeah, like according to, think so. to you, I'm just saying but what you I'm told me. I'm just telling you my situation. It sucks. It sucked when this went away. It'll suck when the other one. So just to say, ah, it's just passing. I get used to it. No, it's it's one of those so things. So just let's just cry about it. Well, I think we can look fondly <laughs> on it. Uh, again, I think we can the look ones, fondly. The ones that matter to you, still, the ones that matter, not, not to me, to the to the rest of the country, and to the university that made the decisions to leave. OU and Texas didn't have to leave. A&M didn't have to leave. No. You're, you're, oh, you left you're, Oklahoma State. You're, oh, you're you al- Oklahoma your State. alumni or your your school decided to leave. Your school. Not, nobody forced any of these schools no, to leave. No, you're right. It's unfortunate. So, well, so, some of these schools, they was forced. Like Washington is like, what the hell happened to everybody? So we'll Where did everybody big, go? So we'll go to the Big Ten. Well, I'm just saying some of it was forced upon they could, them. They could have been like, hey, Washington State, we love you. We're going to stick around. They I'm, chose not to because you know why? Because that money you talk about. This is about, not a perfect situation. Right. The, what you're talking about is, well, the money that gets poured in for beating that school, well, they obviously have done the math and realized, like, well, oh, if I, I go get $40, 50000000 million oh, from another right. conference, we'll make up for but what, what our alumni but are giving does, us. But the schools that are left are going to die is what I'm saying. Oregon State is done. Done. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's right. done. I mean, we're going to wave goodbye to a bunch of institutions that were part of our lore. But we, you know what? Yale used to be the best team in football. So was Harvard. Navy used to be the number one team Penn in football State, year in, year Dame. out. Yeah, a lot of schools. And so those schools were legislated out for a lot of reasons. So this isn't new. But it is one of right. those situations where we look at people that are left in the rubble due to due to in, inactivity or, or whatever the case. You go, my gosh, the rubble that is being left behind right now. It's going to take a while to adjust. I mean, we are literally talking about Cal being part of the, of the ACC, and it almost makes sense. It almost sounds like, well, why not? Which two years ago you'd have, you'd have what? How did how did we get here? We'll try to figure out how we got here. Todd Archer's going to get here at nine. Mm. NFL gonna, insider covers the Cowboys for a long, long time. I saw yeah. a lot of Todd Archer last week. That guy is uh, everywhere. He was sitting front row next to Clarence Hill Jr. getting all the damn questions. And we've got an interesting story. You know, um, um, uh, personally, I'm in, I'm kind of a fan of well-designed bathrooms. I know that's a weird thing. Well, we both love Slackers. So, when, you, when, you, when you walk into a porcelain throne, you have to give credit. And the Jags um, have, are actually following a trend that began with the Spurs. And, and it's a... a you know, the Spurs years ago when they built their their last practice facility, not the right. newest one, right. uh, built a urinal into the shower so you didn't have to walk. But the Jags up the ante. So the Jags have taken this next level. Uh, years ago, uh, we saw, I think the first coach I saw say it, but lots are now following the, 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 the P chart. The uh, yellow, you're a bad teammate, clear, you're a good teammate, and somewhere right. in between. Well, now in Jacksonville, they've taken the next step. The next step. Gotta love it. In hydration. We'll tell you what that is in about 30 minutes. Coming back, the Dallas Cowboys kicker situation continues, and this has been years in the making. It continues on. Goodbye, Vizcaino. Is Aubrey staying? Well, we're going to hear from McCarthy and figure out how important is a kicker really. We'll be right back. This is R&R. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. 
Hey, good morning, everybody. Jason Minix here from the Blitz coming up at 2 o'clock today. We're talking Cowboys football with Shereen Williams at 515 and Aggie football with Brent Horniman at 315. Again, the Blitz starts at 2. Hey, Rudy, how are those ribs on Friday night in Los Angeles? Uh, give it a six and a half, Jason. They're decent. They weren't yours or Rob's, but they were decent. I think he was asking if you remembered having them. Oh, <laughs> I think it came down. Choke <laughs> my damn. But, uh, but the fact is, you just proved that you did. Yeah, I think you, you gave it a solid score. Uh, I I think they were. The quote was, "Hey, the uh, I'm hungry. Did we eat?" The Syrah was better than the ribs. I didn't have any of the Syrah. I should have. You know why I didn't have any of that red wine? Did you wine? have a beer? What'd you... I was having beer. You know, the, the problem with, with, and this isn't a problem, but it is a problem. At, at least in South Texas, we run from highly air-conditioned place to another. You yes. know, we, we go from air-conditioned, we run to our car, highly air-conditioned, we run to some place. So while it's god-awful hot, for the most part, I spend most of my life in about 68 degrees. True. You know what I mean? When you go to a place where it's always comfortable, they don't use air conditioning. So it seems to me, for the most part, I'm more uncomfortable there in like restaurants because there's no AC. We were sitting in Santa Monica on Saturday or Friday night, sunset, and it was probably 73, 74 outside. But it, but they had all the windows and doors open, so it was kind of warm and muggy inside the restaurant too. They're used to it. Me, right. I was hot. So drinking red wine gets me all flushed anyway. So I was like, you know what? I'm already kind of. So there is the that's the downside to these great climate places is they don't ever turn on their AC and it's not always as comfortable as I'm accustomed to even in South Texas. Yeah, and I know I think also you weren't really concerned about oh drinking. Yeah, it's still not fixed. Yeah, I didn't. Are you serious? No, it's still not fixed. You haven't got that back. No. What's today? It's that's that's unacceptable. I'm telling you, unacceptable. We're dealing with the issue with Bonvoy, but anyway, yeah. So that was a. uh, um, one of the reasons I didn't have what was evidently a wonderful wine. Now, is it spelled Sarah? You I don't just know call how to spell it Syrah. It. I just if I if I walk I into so. Texas, your liquor, and I say Syrah, they'll they'll know how to point me in the right can, direction. Can I go to the Target and buy some Syrah, or do I, I need to go it. to a fancy like Joe Texas introduced chair? me to this? It's probably okay. not a Target. Oh no, it's not a Target. It's not a Target. But if I was to go to Target, do you think they would have something? They would have some uh, good Target. Ain't cheap. The Franzia. Yeah. The, the, was that the dog box? the box baby. the box one i had some good nights on the box one <laughs> and some bad mornings <laughs> true that that's headache in a box this yeah. guy you know is having a bad morning too Dude, you know first of all there, as far as kickers go this is we've been in this boat before i mean this was last year uh, a couple years back the cowboys just don't care about kickers they, they treat it like we treat fantasy football you know like what? oh we'll find one we'll find another one but then there are those that believe that the solidarity at that position gives you so much confidence that you know what we can do we can take greater risks that you're hamstringing yourself if you have a kicker that you're worried will not be able to you know a 45 and out you're just not gonna be able to do anything right and that's where the cowboys find themselves first do, do you think do you think that aubrey's gonna make this or do you really Maybe, maybe now that there's less pressure, and now I, I'm, I'm guessing. I know Mike McCarthy spoke about bringing in another veteran mm-hmm. kicker. To me, I don't. One sixty-one of one eighty-four in his last six years. I know he's forty years old. Twenty-three misses in six years. Less that's less than four year. He's sitting on the couch, and he goes by the name of Robbie Gold. 
I don't know what's the what what is the like because I don't know what the issue is. Like, why am I trying out some dude named Aubrey and some dude named Viscaino when I have a guy that's had less than four misses a year for the last six years and he's still serviceable? He just beat you and he was just a part of the team that beat you in the playoffs last year. Probably made a few field goals in that particular game. He went 30, 27 of thirty two just last season, but yet we're sitting here with Aubrey and Viscaino. When, like, I don't understand why I complicate things. I'm not saying it's a big deal. For me, it's a big deal and nothing to see here. I'm going with the nothing to see here because eventually they'll find a guy that's going to make be consistent from 45 and in. I don't think it's it's not as big a deal to me as it is to some, but I don't understand why you why you have Robbie Gold sitting on the couch and you got this guy, Aubrey, who can't hit a kick in front of 45 media members. I, I, it I makes bet, no sense to me. I'll bet there's a football coach listening right now. We got two a days going, right? We got practice started across the across Absolutely. the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're heading into practice, I need to kick a, a, a coach or somebody knowledgeable in football. What is more devastating to you as a as a coach or a team? A couple of mixed extra points or mixed missed field goals? What's what hurts your team? Oh, more? I gotta go extra point because right? it turns like you like perfect example. Tampa, if if Tampa was had a pulse last year. You go from supposed to be 14-0 to 12-0. That's a huge difference. Are we judging these kickers by the wrong numbers? Again, I, I'm I'm a 45 and in guy, but the, if you got to hit the you got to hit the extra. You can I mean, it's got to be 99. Right. Yeah, I got you. Got to hit the 33 yards. So I'm a 45 and in guy. For the most I'm part. I'm not expecting you to be 100%. But I, I do like a cannon leg. I do like the threat of if I get to the 45 to dudes, I got a kicker that might nail one. And maybe so that's why something. goal's on the couch because of the 50-yarder here yeah. and there that you need to make. Now, who was the guy? Not not last year, not Maher, but uh, oh. the big leg guy. He had a big leg. Like He would make everything from 50-something for the Cowboys. He yeah, was, he almost was like second string because that's all he was was the cannon leg. Yeah. Some Cowboy fan. You know who I'm this. talking about. But I'm also, also a believer in Is that. Decker? Am I... Uh, no, that wasn't it. No, yeah. Oh my, no, it's not it. Some crack like that. Our crack staff. Let's listen to Mike McCarthy talk about goodbye, Vizcaino. Hello, Aubrey. Yes, uh, Tristan. You know, obviously was with us at the end of last year. So you know, during the evaluation process, you know, we, we felt that you know it's an opportunity to give Brandon uh, the majority of the reps. Uh, but you know, as far as another kicker competition, yeah, I mean, we're we're always open to that. that that's that's not a. It's not a set, but I'm I'm I, I'm excited about this our, our young guy. So I want to make sure he gets the he gets the reps. Hirulu, what was the other guy? He couldn't even pronounce his, pronounce his name. Yeah, Zerline was it? It was Zerline. Oh, Zerline. Greg the leg. That's yeah, right. Yeah, Greg the leg had a get. So maybe maybe they're going to take the approach of okay, well maybe he'll thrive better without somebody breathing down. And you know how when you say give the quarterback the green light, like hey, You're go safe. out there and play. Yeah. If you throw an interception, you're still gonna maybe that's the approach with Aubrey for these for these next week or two. I don't know. It just it just shouldn't be that difficult. It just feels like if they don't get it settled, sometime in December and January, it's gonna bite them in the ass. It it should I mean, again, if if Tampa Bay had any sort of a pulse, it would have bit them in the butt in that mm-hmm. wild card game. So while they've escaped, it's if, if eventually you play with fire. Yeah, I, and also I feel like also some of this is like okay, we we can only talk about Zach Martin so much. Let's find something else. Well played. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, oh man, like we got to. I Look mean, over if, here. Yeah, if you're a cowboy beat writer and you're there every day for a month, where you're in Frisco, you're in Oxnard, you're like, uh, the kicker situation. <laughs> you know, like 
We got to come up with something. Speaking of cowboy beat writers, Clarence Hill Jr. going to join us just a little after eight o'clock. And the writer with the ESPNs, the four-letter writer, his name is Todd Archer, and he knows his stuff. We'll be here at nine. That's what we do. We cover your Cowboys front to back. In fact, coming back, interesting discussion on Dak and his wide receivers. How the new coaching staff is putting those two on the same page. Interesting stuff. It's kind of like master's level practice. We'll talk about it next. You're on R and R. This is ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, good morning to you. Top of the morning to all. This is R&R here on San Antonio's Sports Star. You know, I got to get back in the groove as we're back in town after a week out. Anybody out and about this week? I need to find my promotional suite. Looks like we're all in the studio. We're going to have to keep this thing clean is what we're going to have to do. Looking around the studio. If you're watching us on our YouTube feed, thank you. Hello. Sound off like you got a pair. How y'all doing? We talked about the kicker, and that's going to be an ongoing issue, and really an ongoing issue with the Cowboys and and for the Dax history is his guidance, his leadership, his growth, thrust into the scene, leveling off with an old coach, getting a new coach, but. When you bring in new coaches, you bring in new attitudes, right? New plans. And, you know, over and over, the crux of the argument with Dak Prescott, is it his fault? Is it somebody else's fault? Whose fault were the interceptions? But after close examination, at least by Coach McCarthy's point of view, and Brian Schottenheimer, the new offensive coordinator and play designer, if not caller, one of the issues was truly that the quarterback and the wide receivers were not on the same page as far as timing goes. Fair. That's a fair I mean, statement. Again, the again the biggest eyesore is Green Bay. The, that's the biggest eyesore where CD kind of did mm-hmm. something he wasn't supposed to do, according to Greg Olson. And then I guess CD's kind of, sort of, in a indirect way, admitted it was on him as well. Those that's the that's the biggest one that stands out to me. Jory Epstein's got a great article on Yahoo. Yahoo, yeah. Um, about how the Cowboys are endeavoring to get these guys all on the same page. And one of the things they're doing is including the quarterbacks and the wide receivers in meetings that they didn't used to sit in together. And one of the, you know, we've all watched quarterbacks warm up and you see three of the quarterbacks all lined up together, first, second, third, and they all take a snap and they drop back together, one, two, three, four steps, the ball's out. All three are supposed to get it out at the same time, same place, and land all three different receivers. Well, I think that's been an issue with the Cowboys. And they were talking about, and this is just one example of many things. That there's a step count, like that when a, when Dak gets a snap on a on a play, four steps back, three step drop, whatever it might be, one two three ball out, and they're going to quiz you, and they're going to quiz you. Well, that was his step count. Well, now the Cowboys have the wide receivers keeping track of the quarterback's step count, and the quarterbacks are keeping track of the wide receiver's step count, and evidently they didn't do that. No quote. This is the first year we've really had to key in on how many steps he's taking so we know how fast the ball is coming out. They harp on that every day. What's your takeaway? That's Michael Gallup. What's your takeaway from that when you hear that? My takeaway is we can't keep doing the same things over and over expecting different results. It's like you have to try something different. And that's where I think Mike McCarthy and Shoddy have you know zeroed in on attention to detail. Whereas before, I'm not saying, look, clearly you can't get to, you don't win 12 games if you're not paying attention to detail, but just specifically in the passing game, especially coming off a season where Dak only threw for 230 yards a game and he had 15 INTs, something clearly needed to change. And that's what they're, they, that's what they've honed in on on the receivers 
and Dak being exactly all the way tuned in on exactly what they need to be doing. And I get it. Like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing our due diligence, but let's go even further. So, you know, and according to CD Lamb, he said, I can run my routes more comfortably knowing that he's done with his drop or that he's not getting touched or that he's protected. And so, yeah. Being on the same time as a quarterback is very important for us. I like what Shadi has told the receivers. Hey, man, if you want to run the right routes, that's how you get the ball. You want the ball? Run the route right. And I, I think there's some substance behind just the uh, clapback of listen to what I'm telling you to do. Mm-hmm. The difference between Prescott taking a three-step drop that will launch the ball to its target is 1.678 seconds versus a five-step drop that skewers, skews closer to 1.921 seconds. That's just an example Shotty gave of how these receivers need that's to be prepared. A, that's an eternity. Oh, yeah. In the NFL, well, with in these, basketball, we know. Yeah, with these cornerbacks, the, as fast as they are, and these linebackers being a lot more fast, faster than they were in the past, that little .3 seconds means a lot. And we saw a few of those interceptions this past season where it's like they're just a step late. So I get where they're coming from. I get it. Now, it's weird. Yes. Is it weird, Rob, to hear that, hey, this is the first year? Honestly, yes. you know, I don't know football. I pretend right. that, you know, I've watched the games. I've never participated in high level NFL practices. I mean, or college practices or high school practices for that matter. But the few that I have witnessed over my life, I kind of felt like it was commonplace for the quarterbacks and the receivers to know the foot, the step count. Yeah. I just kind of felt like that was what everybody did. So maybe the I, didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think it was that. In, in in detail and that that depth of like okay you got to know exactly how many steps he's taking every time I thought it was like okay uh, offensive line does their job I do my job and I look up when I'm supposed to look up and the ball should be there and and a part of my in my brain you always feel like the quarterback is the one that is responsible for delivering the ball and you know we we laugh at the receiver that is always short it's third and five and you run a four yard route. You know, we laugh, we look at that, and it happens all the time when we look at receivers catching a third and eight pass for a third and nine first down. Oh and, gosh! And, yes. And Shoddy says, you know, that's the most common mistake in football is receivers not understanding their quarterback step process and they're breaking off their routes too soon. That's the most common mistake. Wow. Well, another I think another thing, Robin, this comes back to why maybe Kellen is not there when they looked at the advanced analytics. It, the pro football focus does this thing, Rob, and listening to the list, to the listeners out there, they're called uh, turnover worthy plays, uh-huh. and turnover worthy plays result in seventy seven percent interceptions. Now, Dax, when Kellen Moore called a play that was quote unquote deemed turnover worthy, eighty eight percent of the time Dak was intercepted. 88% of the time. Now, in fairness to Dak, Rob. How many turnover plays were we calling? <laughs> well, when they call, when they call turnover worthy plays, 88% of the time Dak would throw it an interception. And I'm sure, and that's the thing, when you go back and look Sunday night or Monday morning and you, and you see the list of plays you called and then you see like, well, why are we still calling these turnover worthy plays if we know he's turning it over 88% of the time? And I'm sure it was driving Mike insane. So, again, where you say, oh, well, they had number one offense. Well, we, he also got us intercepted a lot from a lot of these turnover-worthy plays. Now, in fairness to Dak, RJ, Jason, Clarence, since Dak entered the league, no quarterback has, has more dropped passes intercepted. He's had nine. He's tied with Matt Ryan. So that means not, 
Like, think about that. Dak's been in the league since 2016, right? He's going into his eighth season. There's not a quarterback playing that's had more interceptions from dropped passes. Well, Rudy, you know what I, that plays into. I know. That's what I'm saying. RJ, Jason, I'm <laughs> yeah, coming to y'all's defense. This. I hate I, I'm this. coming to y'all's defense. Like, he's type. Think about this. Matt Ryan was in the league for 90 years. And he's the most unlucky <laughs> SOB ever to walk the planet, Matt he's Ryan. He's tied with Matt Ryan. Nine dropped interceptions. So I'm gonna. So is it Dak's fault? Yes, because <laughs> some people are just unlucky, Rudy. But Do that, you know people that just yes. if something bad's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to them. My wife will tell you it's her. Well, a lot of people at some point <laughs> in their life will say it's me. But yeah. we can all honestly go. I know one poor son of a. <laughs> yeah. That if it's bad, it'll be to him. Like I, I could accept it if they said he's tied with Kirk. I could accept that they said he's tied with Matt Stafford. He's tied in the lead with the dude that gave up the biggest halftime lead in Super Bowl history. Thank you. Nine dropped interceptions. Thanks, Noah Brown. Well, so some of it, but honestly, can you just look at some dudes and go, you know what, Dak, I hope this is not just, this is more than just bad luck, that this was bad calling and we put you in bad situations. Because the very idea that, I don't know what your playlist should look like as a play caller, that playbook, but I would hope the chapter on turnover-worthy plays is real thin. That's and again, Turnover-worthy plays. And again, that's that would drive me crazy. If I'm seeing that when we call turnover-worthy <laughs> plays, Dak's throwing a pick 88% of the time. I, Stop forget, those. I'm, like, me and Kellen are fist-fighting week six. I'm not, letting it, I'm not letting it get to week 17. Like, stop calling turnover-worthy plays or we're going to have a problem. Mike initiated. And Kellen called it. Like, there, it goes up 11% for Dak. The league average is 77%. Dak is 11 percentage points higher than that on turnover-worthy plays. I would like to see what the definition of a turnover were. I, I see what they're saying here. It's a play with a higher possibility of turnover interception. Oh, I would love to, be able to sit down with the coach and say, okay, Rudy, this is deemed a turnover-worthy play because of X, Y, Z. A lot of, lot of traffic there. It, it has or maybe. to do with the, what the defense is in. It has to do with the down and distance. It has. I'm sure there's a lot of intricate stuff that only pro football focus can decipher. I'm no expert, okay. uh-huh. but the idea of avoiding turnover-worthy plays, especially for a bad luck quarterback, seems like something I would want to pay An attention to. An easy fix. <laughs> right. Just don't call those. An easy fix. We're not calling those. But well, then I, I'm now I get it. Maybe on third and ten, and then you're you're down by six, you have to. Don't get me wrong. You're right. There's time and place. But I don't – well, geez. The, the more we look at it, the more it makes sense. And I hate proving the the – the, the Dak, Dak lovers, lovers right. it's not his fault. Well, evidently, it ain't. In oh, some cases. We love it on Tuesday because we get to look back in time. Oh, yes. We Damn. talk about what was on, on this day, and we get a little mailbox money to a guy who's probably on his <laughs> way to work right now. Pomerantz. We're, we're going to look back and look forward at the same time on this day coming next. This is R&R. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports. Good morning, everybody. Joe Reinagle here. Coming up at 2 on the Blitz, Cowboys football will be the topic, as it always is. But we're going to talk with Shereen Williams. That's coming up at 5.15. Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino, they're going to play nice. Brent Zwarneman joins us at 3.15. Rob, when you heard the comments from Bobby Petrino, was it soothing to you? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) He was ecstatic, Joe. He was like, oh, my God. We're going 12-0. No, I'm kidding.
He playing if he's calling plays. All I want is I what? don't want to see Jimbo Fisher lighting up his quarterback after every third down. Charging out to the hash mark Why don't and you like that? blistering him. You don't like that? Dude, it's a bad look, number one. Number one. Just lighting up the guy. I thought we liked guys getting lit up. Do we? I don't know. I'm asking you. No one likes that. Yeah, There's, I, there's a time and well, place because, for everything. Well, the thing about it is, Rob, I mean, if the guy has no confidence because every time he thinks he's going to make a mistake, he's going to light into him, it can cause problems. Not can. Watch. Watch the Haggies the last couple of years. He has destroyed. Remember Pop back in the early years, 96, 97, even 95, when he just kept killing point guards? We were rolling through point guards right and left and, until he finally brought Mario Elian, who wouldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Did Mario stand up to Pop? I, I have a remember. feeling he did. You oh, know, okay. it took a guy like that, and I'm I'm just yeah, I know an example. Mean. But a Pop was way too hard on his pop on his point guards when he started in the league, and it took a couple years before he could even accept the fact that a guy like Tony Parker could start as a rookie. I think Jimbo needs to back off of his quarterbacks. You're you're killing them, man. That's fair. just my opinion. We owe you some history. We'll do it on the other side. This is R and R coming back in the seven o'clock hour. Oh my goodness, we're going to be busy this is the next couple hours. We got yes. a bunch of guests coming your direction. We'll lead off with some NFL gumbo. We got uh, Clarence coming at eight and uh, a Todd Archer at nine. Hang around. More to do. R and R continues next. This is ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. It's O six hundred. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the Cowboys. Oh, oh, oh. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Don't mind them brake lights. We'll get you where you're going. This is R&R here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Rudy J. and Rob Thompson with you. Edwin with a whip and a chair, taking us till 10. Everybody good? Ah, uh, it's Tuesday according to you. Whatever that means. Is it? You <laughs> made me double take there for a second. It's all kind of already rolling in together. Cowboys got busy yesterday practicing yet again. Uh, we were talking a little bit about backup running back yesterday as we uh, preview today's show, and the uh, Cowboys um, didn't have Pollard. He wasn't at practice yesterday for personal reasons. Personal? Got a chance to run those other three backs. Well, Ronald Jones got a little groin issue, and we're not going to see him for the first two weeks. We're going to talk about what went on in practice yesterday. But to, right now, looking around the NFL, first of all, you said it in, your, in the uh, Sports Center. C.J. Stroud, the six-year veteran and rookie all at the same time, has been named by D'Amico Ryans as their starter in the first game of the preseason. Been a rough couple of days in the Houston Texans camp. Yeah, they lost their starting center uh, for the entire season, ACL, MCL. And then they found out they're going to be without a right tackle who they just signed to a $56 million extension for four to six weeks. So... Uh, to me, if I'm the Texans, and we could leave, you know, we could get to the uh, the minority owner, but if I'm the Texans, it just things got for starting a rookie just got a little bit more sketchy, you know. That I think that was probably one of their strongest points was their offensive line when you know everything they did to kind of sew it up and to lose two guys within a week and a half, 
that's that's not good for your rookie quarterback. I mean, but CJ's elusive. He he can get out of the pocket when need be. But that's the last thing you want is your rookie quarterback running for his life. So I guess we'll get to see what their depth is like. But so is the that's the NFL, man. I mean, everybody deals with offensive and defense. I mean, I think Tom Brady had XFL and USFL guys protecting him in his last season last year. So this is what it is, man. Everything's gone right for the Texans up until it just seemed like a whirlwind of bad news within the last week and a half. Uh, inside the uh, building, certainly the injuries, but the uh, real news coming out of the Texans camp is their minority owner. In some ser- it looks like something happened at the Kentucky Derby. That looks that, like something oh. weird went down at the Derby. Lots of rape and uh, battery charges coming down in Kentucky uh, for a minority uh, owner. Let's see uh, one count of first-degree rape, five counts of first-degree sexual abuse, and one Ooh. count of third-degree sexual abuse. Exact date of the crime isn't clear, but an arrest warrant for lawyer was issued in Kentucky back on May 10th. Charge is not made public, but the Texans, as soon as they found out, they did contact the NFL He's on. He's not on any committees right now. He's not allowed in the building. He's doing nothing with the Texans as of right now. But he has not been forced to sell his share of the team just yet. He's been a, mi- a minority owner since they got the team in 2002, which means he's made a lot of money because we're going to talk about pro franchises and what the projections are over the next 10 years. And if you've been in it since 2002, uh, Mr. Lawyer's made a boatload of money, even if he's a minority owner. So, and my question to you is, Rob, when we look at um, when we look at some of these kids that you know, the, the I think back to the two Ohio State kids, go away, go home, you're out, your scholarship's gone. I think it's about Trevor Bauer, get out, you're gone, you're suspended two years, you get blah blah blah. A lot of times when these type of cases come up in today's in today's world, you are fired, you're gone. Yes, I mean, and and now Canceled. again, I'm not saying that I agree with the whole guilty until proven innocent. Uh, vibe we go by now but considering that's where we are do you think the Texans at some point here soon regardless of innocence or guilt will force him to sell his shares I would assume that there's something in the ownership agreement that you can't do protect the shield Oh, you know, a player's got to protect oh, gotcha, the shield gotcha, gotcha. I'm sure owners have to protect the shield we saw as well. with the Panthers owner yeah so as well so I yeah, he's imminent to be gone. And yeah, and the, the, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if I agree with that, Rob. Well, they built in a golden parachute. It's not like he's leaving with nothing. He'll be leaving with a tremendous profit, just As like little, little Danny. Little Danny, little so, Danny. How much little Danny would make about a hundred percent? Trust me. <laughs> when you write the rules, you build in a safety net for yourself. Damn. I mean, owners that's, wrote these rules. That's a strong point. So they, that's a strong. They, point. they know there, but by the grace of God, go I. So apart from a couple of videotapes, Jerry might have been long gone too. Ooh. Some disappearing videotapes and pictures. So, yeah, they built in safety net for that guy. But I'll tell you what, I would like to be in line to buy that minority share. Oh, Rob, the line's around the building. Because right now, the Dallas Cowboys are the most impressive and wealthiest franchise in all the world. $9.2 billion is their valuation. That is nearly $2 billion ahead of the next closest in the New York Giants. And guess what? The Giants aren't even the third largest in the United States, biggest in the United States. The Golden State Warriors are the second most valuable franchise in the United States. They have passed the New York Yankees. And and the Knicks, too. The Knicks are usually up there. Knicks are normally second. Yeah, yeah Golden Knicks. State, 7.5 bill. And that's without that personal cable deal that the Knicks and the, I mean, and the, Knicks and the Giants, well, the Knicks primarily, benefit from. The Knicks make all of their money because they own the Yes Network, and they're the only distributive uh, apparatus for their TV. They own the building. So that's why they've always been so profitable. So when I look at it, I see, Rob, I see one, two, three, 
for five. I see five NFL teams in the top ten, Rob. No kidding. Five NFL teams in the top ten. And we are still operating under a salary cap. Why? These yeah, well, good question. That's another one of those built in to protect ourselves. Let's not make ourselves spend too much money now. Let's all buy in and set ourselves a budget. This is all listings from a Sportico, the business of sports website. Uh, we normally do Forbes, but this is Sportico. Yeah, got you. Their valuation's done essentially the same way. Cowboys one, and you're right. Uh, Giants two, Rams three, Patriots four, Forty ers fifth, and the Jets, Jets six. six, which you know, New York market. The Commanders at a surprising seventh in profitability. Bears at. Eight down a couple of spots. The Eagles maintain, and uh, Vegas actually up with that brand new, big old, beautiful stadium. Now, the minimum payout, like the Cincinnati Bengals get, is what three seventy eight a year. Everybody gets. Everybody last year got three hundred and seventy five million just for coming to work. Every owner got three hundred and seventy five million just for showing up, and that's a lot of that's TV deals and other things. So, but yeah, three seventy five. And when I when I got to looking at it, Rob, I was like, okay, there's one of the big three that operates with no salary cap, baseball. Baseball has no salary cap. And you say, well, what about the little people? What about the little people? Eight different champions in the last 10 years for baseball. So eight different. And now, even all the, reason, the Kansas City Royals won one. You see what I'm saying? So, that, and, and, you know, and Rudolph Gonzalez said, well, that's how the Spurs got a title. I was like, no, it's not, Rudolph. They got Tim Duncan. I mean, they got Tim Duncan. That's why they got a title. That was a built title. That wasn't a title that they got a bunch of guys that, you know, couldn't get signed by their team. They got Tim Duncan. So I don't agree with you totally that the reason why the Spurs got their titles is because of a salary cap. I just feel like, especially in the NFL, if I operate under no salary cap and Jerry Jones wants to put his money back into his product and you as the Chicago Bears or Cincinnati Bengals don't, that should not be on Jerry or the San Francisco 49ers or the Green Bay Packers or the or the New York Giants. That's on you as an owner. And 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 if your fan base wants to put up with an owner that, you know, if we operated in a non-salary cap as we used to in the 90s, then that's on you as a fan to say, "All right, then I'm not supporting this crap because y'all aren't putting anything back into the product." I just it's just amazing to me that the Cowboys can clear a billion dollars. And Rob, you you hit it on the head in the first segment. They can clear a billion dollars and yet they're having to argue with the probably one of the best right guards to ever play the game because of a stupid-ass salary cap. And, and I think, in my heart of hearts, Jerry would have no problem no, paying him. No, he like, wouldn't. Come sit down, brother. Rob. Let's write a check and drink a beer. Rob. So If it would have been done, Zach Martin, if there's no salary cap, Zach Martin's at camp and everything's kumbaya and CD's getting 20 and Trayvon's getting 25 and Micah's getting 35. It wouldn't be an issue. And I, we would get to, at least when Jerry made a mistake with these situations, it's coming out of his wallet. You overpaid him. That's money that you are not going to make. And that's not the case right now. And when I look back at it and I go back to the, to the league without a cap, Rob, the Yankees spend money hand over fist. It don't guarantee you a title. No. It's the, I think the last time the Yankees won was 09. I want to say 2009. It's been 14 years, and they spend money hand over fist. So for the little guy saying, well, well, it won't be fair. Uh, the Mets <laughs> the Mets did a fire sale after spending a billion dollars. They're in the still paying Verlander, and they sent him home. Come on. So just because the big guy has all the money don't mean that they're going to win. Now, here's what I find remarkably interesting. As we watch these valuations double and triple right. and quadruple, Normally, in a market, let's say the real estate market, 
Okay. You bought a house for for a hundred thousand. Okay. You lived in this house for ten years, and suddenly this house is worth by the NFL standards in ten years. Now it's worth three hundred thousand. And everybody on your block suddenly has seen a 300% growth in just a decade. There's no for sale signs up. None. Over the last decade, only four teams have been sold of the 32. Ain't nobody selling. You know why? Because this is a license to print money. Yeah, I remember when it was announced and it finally became official. I remember when it was announced, like, Mike... Michael Jordan was selling the Hornets. He bought them for two hundred sixty-five million. I want to say he sold them for three billion. And I was like, "Yeah." And Rob was like, "No, he must be about to be about to buy something else because why would you stop making money at that clip?" And I was like, "It, it took me a while to process that. Probably took me overnight." And I was like, "Yeah, like what investment can you make that's going to do that? Why would you stop doing that other than if you're about to buy in the F one or something like that? You're like, you know, I want to put my money somewhere else. I made some money here. I'm gonna go do something else." That's the only reason, because you're right, Rob. Why would you sell? Why? I mean, you print 100% annually or biannually. You are 300% growth in 10 years. And then let's go even further. Now, consider this. Where is the primary profit made in the NFL? TV. Well, TV is a guarantee. Just be a by part. You make your money by your stadium. Your stadium is where you get to charge. That's for why the parking. Rams jumped. That's why the Rams jumped up to seven billion. Well, the Rams exactly. Because of and Buffalo has jumped way up. Vegas is up five spots with this brand new. Great point. But the crazy thing about it is, right now there's only three or four stadiums either in the works or being built as we sit. The Titans are about to build a new one. Buffalo has announced that they're going to build a new one. There's another it's one. A, it was supposed to be Chicago, but uh, now yeah, they're talking oh, so, about redoing yeah, Soldier. Chicago's one of them as well. The next money maker for all of these NFL teams is to build a new stadium. And guess what? We'll help pay for that too. We'll help you buy it. Even though you're making a billion dollars profit the Cowboys made a billion dollars profit last, last year. year. Now, that's last the year. now that's the Cowboys. Last year. I don't year. want to compare. Yeah, last year. Last year they made a billion dollars. Profit. So I just you know what the, you know what there's one team on here that's shocking to me? I I'm shocked the Patriots are worth so much. Twenty years of like, dominance. I get the Jets, I get the Giants, that's New York, I get the Rams that got so far. Of course I get the Cowboys. But the Patriots? Well, you know, Robert Kraft realized and that's, this is not profitability is obviously not leveraged with success. I mean, you can be profitable and be the and Jets. I mean, you don't have to be all, all that good. Profitable, yeah. But one of the things that New England did, uh, we're kind of ahead of a game, was when they built that stadium, that, that Patriots place thing that's going on there, that now the, the SoFi's that, the Cowboys with the, the star. The Vegas have a, a damn club that inside the stadium. That whole thing, that's where the profits are coming. They're, you know, the guaranteed money on top of the stadium money, is where these guys are just getting filthy rich. And I would expect over the next five to six years, there'll be ten new stadiums either in the works or under one, construction you get, Number right one, now. you're automatically going to get a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then number two, you build everything around it. Hell, I'll even come into our backyard because the rock is pretty close to being done. And some of the things that I saw on the news watching them is they're doing things to generate revenue. They're going to have this huge, like, 10,000-foot LED screen so you can go watch the games out there. Cool. There's going to be restaurants. There's going to be bars. Like, they – Frisco. Think Frisco, Cowboy fan. You've all been up there. Most of you have been up there to Frisco with the star and everything around it. So what they did with The Rock, and they're going to do it times 10 when they get a new uh, Spurs arena – is they've found out ways, like, we have to find out ways to generate revenue other than just 
Wimby jerseys around the beer. Uh, the, so the rock is going to be a pretty cool thing, especially with those business. watching yeah. parties. It's called an ARS, an What's, alternative revenue stream. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's pretty cool about the uh, outdoor venue to go watch the and games see, out and, there. and the thing that's cool about that's it, Rob, cool. is you're going to be able to do the daytime. See, LED is totally different than the project. Right. Because the project, you got to wait till it's pitch dark. <laughs> you do that LED. Because I, I remember one time I drove to a Walmart, and it was the middle of the day, and there was a, mo- a kid's movie on, and there's like a 10,000-foot screen. I was like, how's that on? It's an LED. So that's, what that's one of the things they're doing over there at The Rock. So maybe on a Saturday afternoon, 2, 3 o'clock, Wimby's playing Golden State. Everybody's over at The Rock drinking beer, eating food, and watching Wimby. On a pretty April afternoon. Oh, I can feel it coming. Yeah. The uh, ARSs. The alternative revenue streams of success. It is ridiculous, the money that's made. It, I mean, it's hard to fathom, quite right. frankly. Because quite when you think of what the like a company a, a football team that really only has employees that really function as the product. He's got a hundred guys he pays. Hundred guys that function fair, as the product. Fair, fair, fair. The Dallas fair. Cowboys. Yeah, he pays a gotcha. hundred guys to run it, and he's making a billion a year. Now think about what it would take for McDonald's. There's thirty thousand employees to make a billion a year. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a license to print money. Yeah. Why would you sell? Line up, and as we say this. Right now, it was announced yesterday that that you know that public investment fund that the Saudis have that they use to buy the LIV or the PGA Tour, they formed a new fund. All that money is now being focused on buying professional franchises, growing their portfolio. Cincinnati, they're coming for you, but Mr. NBA Brown. But NBA and NFL ain't going to let them in. Everything's for sale, Rudy. Everything. But, Everything but it is. But to is who? For sale. It's, a, it's like Augusta, Rob. Like, you can have the money. I don't Baby, have to let I you know in. I know the formula. I've already seen it. So this is what's going to happen. Saudi Arabia is going to decide, you know what, we want us an NBA team. You know who we're going to partner with? His name is LeBron James. We're going to go to LeBron and say, here's your money. You front this thing. You're we'll, the face. we'll take 48%. You take 52 or whatever it takes yeah, 50, to be the controlling yeah, yeah. owner, whether we bring in somebody else. Well, we will what we're, they're calling it sports washing it. We'll sports wash it with LBJ and LeBron James will buy an NBA team and be in Vegas and Saudi money will be behind it. And they're going to find Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's going to get a call just like Rory did or somebody else. Phil did. So guess what, Phil? We like the way you, we like the cut of your jib. We want you to be the face, if not the financial Interesting backing. Interesting and we're going to get you in front. And Peyton Manning is going to have him an NFL franchise with a lot of Saudi money behind it. If that was me, that's what I would do. If I had that kind of money, and I know you that's don't want to hear my name. That is an interesting take. I'm calling him and say, guess what? You got a line See, of credit. Write a check. This is a, this is a case for Harvey Specter and Mike Ross of Suits. To, to to funnel through all that and lit and lit Lewis lit to fix, funnel through all that paperwork to see where LeBron and Peyton are really getting that money because from. I promise you while the NFL might say oh we don't need your money they want it no they as want it as long as you could give it to me clean baby like, just wash it fold it what and do you put call it in it? a box sports washing sports washing and you want to be the cleanest sports wash in history his name is Peyton Manning or LeBron. Or LeBron. You want to wash something crystal clean like a Connecticut water softener? Yeah. Shaq, Bron, Peyton, Tom. All those that aspire to own a franchise take the Saudi call. Everybody else is doing it. 
<laughs> Everybody else is doing it. I mean, Phil Mickelson took 200. Too much money, too much fun. It says, James Ramondi says on YouTube, they make so much money, tickets are so expensive, it's almost impossible to take your family to a game. Fair, Truth. James. Fair. Absolutely true. Fair. Absolutely true. It has become a once-a-year Christmas gift kind of thing for 90% of the fans. And then you buy the ticket, and then Steph and Clay are sitting out. <laughs> but the good news is, they're in technologically speaking, they're doing everything they can to get you in the building without actually being in the building. So, you know, as we have availability in that new tech, put on a, a VR headset and sit next to your favorite fan I know, at right? a game. Go sit courtside next to Spike. Yeah, you can sit next to Drake at a, at a Raptors game if you'd like. You know, there's an interesting article on uh, Yahoo Sports by Jory Epstein. Uh, talking about the way that the Cowboys are trying to get their receivers and their quarterbacks on the same page. Quarterback. Or, well, yeah, back. back. Because it seems like the other ones were on the same page, but we'll talk about that That's one later. That's a cheap shot. <laughs> Cooper didn't That's seem to have a problem. That's a cheap shot. <laughs> well, uh, but the idea of how do you get and what is the process to understanding with your eyes closed and his eyes closed, you guys both be at the right place at the right time. Sounds easy, but evidently the Cowboys are having trouble. Study. And then study again. And then when you think you've got it all down, Rob, you study again. And we keep hearing, we heard it on the offensive line. Was it was it uh, Tyron that said, hey, man, uh, who was it that was talking about the relationship between the tackle and the guard needs to be as good as the Tyron. other side? It was Tyron saying, i got to get along with Tyler. i got to get. He said, we got to get to Terrence and Zach's level. Well, think about that kind of relationship, but with a separation of 20 yards and .1 seconds. That's the quarterback and the receivers. The four-step drop, the yeah. five-step drop. Does the receiver know when Dak's back foot sets down on the grass on his fourth step? Is he turning at the same time? What's the step count, Rob? Four, three, five, I don't know. You're going to be quizzed on this. You're going to be quizzed. I need you to know. The, 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 the crust of this story was the receivers and the quarterbacks have a brand new kind of relationship in that the, it is enforced now that they come to meetings together and they understand the processes. The wide receivers have to know exactly what this quarterback step count is. They didn't have to do that before. And the vice year. versa. First year. Which is interesting. It. When you want to go somewhere you've never been, you have to do things you've never done. Was that philosophical? That's well said. I agree with that. I mean, and it's true. I, I, I'm on Instagram way too much. That's all you hear on Instagram. <laughs> you stupid. It's not stupid. Did it have something to do with the grind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There, there are no elevators to success. Grind. You must take the stairs. The daily grind. Yeah. But, you know, you know it's all, all of those true, are though. true. They are true. How much of this is, um, duh, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. kind of like you weren't doing this before. Duh. Well, see, I think Rob, you have to do that with certain quarterbacks, and I think there's other quarterbacks where it's just like they'll figure it out for you. I think that is a very valid point. Because see, you that that guy in Kansas City, they're not counting stuff. That guy in Kansas City, he's going to he has the ability to wait to the very last second to see what's mm -hmm. developing. A lot of us got to, a lot of these guys, when the ball's supposed to come out, it's got to come out and you got to be where you're supposed to be or we're going to be turning the ball over. That guy up in Kansas City can be like, oh, I'm going to wait. Oh, he's coming back. Nope, he went left. Okay, I'm going to let it go and I'm going to throw him open. You have those guys and then you have those guys who are like, this is the play call. We heard Bobby Petrino say it the other day. The play call was discussed on, on in the middle of the week. 
Now we got to go run it. That's the case with 90% of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, this is the play call. We got to stick to it. If not, it's going to result in two interceptions in a divisional game, and then you're going home early. Going home yesterday, I was listening to Kenny and Carlin, and I forget which quarterback they were talking about, but it, it came down to something like this. And they were talking about, you know, whether a quarterback can hurt a team, help a team, lift a team. And it comes to, when we talk about Dak and these things, when you go, duh, you guys weren't working yeah. on step count and, you know, right. knowing when to cut. There are some quarterbacks, like you just said, that, that is not a problem. <laughs> you know, we're not worried about making sure they're on the same it's page. Very, it's very because, few of them, though. Because a quarterback will make sure you're on the same page. He will get you open. If you're open, he'll get you the ball. There's only a few of them. Though. And this comes down to the crux of the argument with Dak. Is he an improver? Is he an equalizer? Or is he... Uh, a negative or both. is he both or, the, uh, what is rj saying this week oh all things can be true at the yeah. same time all, you know so <laughs> but you know the, i think at so, the end of the day we can all agree that dak is not going to take an average wide receiver no and make him great no it's and that's, not gonna happen and i'm okay with that yeah i am too as long as i know with what i'm, I'm working okay with. with that you know who you are you so, know who he is so it sounds like kellen felt like dak was that guy and mike mccarthy saw him and said i had that guy's aaron Rodgers, and he ain't that guy kellen with the went with the empowerment role right like i'm going to empower you you are the man tell yourself when you see that guy in the mirror you tell yourself you're he's the man enough. you're, you're elite enough. you're one of the best and I'm going to let you have the freedom to prove it. And Dak needs to look in the mirror and go, don't do anything stupid. Yeah, some guys have to protect the ball. Just ball protect protection the ball is important. And count your steps and get it there on time. And that's all. We, if you do that, we win. Sounds like a waltz class. You know, we talk about it as a dance. I've always, you know, I said it to McCarthy a couple of years ago, this ballet of an offensive line. He goes, I don't like that term. <laughs> I don't want my offensive linemen as ballerinas. <laughs> I want them nasty. I, the ballet, I want but some nasty. The uh, the relationship between the two I find um, exceedingly interesting. Exceedingly I love, interesting. I love, the I love I love it. I love where the team is headed. Because it's the intricacies of professionalism. There's that a difference. When you go to training camp and you realize that in college it's a three-second thing. In high school it's a five-second thing. In the pros it's a .9-second thing. Right, and they are working on that level of excellence, and you don't even really notice it until you're standing there staring at it. It's when you're getting to where you're going to Super Bowls or where you're the elite of the elite. There's a whole different level of detail you have to go into, and they're clicking through it like right. nobody's business. Yeah, talk about clicking through it like nobody's business. That is college football. Good lord, you want to hear a weird pairing? How about a Big Saturday basketball game. We cannot wait for the conference championship game between Duke and Stanford. It's possible. Let's talk about where the leftovers from the Pac-12 might land and is the Mountain West going to expand by four teams. College football talk coming next. This is R&R. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. The Jim Rome Show is coming to San Antonio. He's great. He's awesome. The guy's insane. The Jim Rome Show debuts this Monday at 12 noon on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you. Top of the morning to all. Hey, just after 8 o'clock.
Well, welcome back, Clarence Hill Jr. for a command performance. He'll be here at eight. Uh, Tard Arch will be here at nine. He of ESPN will be talking uh, Cowboys camp as he is an eyewitness. Was there yesterday to watch the running backs, the backups take over as Tony Pollard took the day off. We'll check and see what he saw. Who will be RB two? It looks like all three looked okay. Nobody really separated themselves. I liked. Uh, I liked what I saw from Ronald Jones on Thursday. I mean, it sucks he's not going to be there. You know, the first two games, unfortunate what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But uh, that the fight for RB two, yeah, I guess it is. You know, f- fully up for grabs. We might say, you know, my Malik Davis theory is continuing to be shot down. Well, no, he's, he was okay yesterday. So was Dowdle. So was Deuce. They all had their moments. So I don't yeah. think there's any reason to downgrade Malik, but there's not any to upgrade him either. You know what I mean? And, but, and that's kind of uh, rough, especially. I thank you for being nice. No, no. <laughs> Appreciate you letting me down easy, bro. Uh, he's Appreciate the, he's, you. He's a nice guy. The problem is they're all three decent backs. Um, like, I'm, like you know, there's, there's too many people saying it. It's not going to be the he ain't gonna be the guy for me to just stay on the hill. But right. I'm, I'm I've already taken enough bullets. Right, I might as well go on and die up here. You might as well. I might as well go on and die because up at here. the end of the day, it don't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Um, but, but no, I, I like Zeke. when Ronald does get back. I'm worried about the twelve touchdown void. I think mm-hmm. Ronald can provide that. That the short. I'm worried about the short yardage and the goal line. And I don't think the goal line is as easy as people think. You just go watch the red zone. Watch the NFL red zone and watch how game by game, week by week, teams come up short five yards and in. Speaking of, I got to buy that stupid thing. What thing? The red zone and the oh, ticket. I'm what, YouTube or whatever? I'm going to have to get that YouTube no, thing. Just, no, Rob, just go in a, you know, go go watch it at bars and hang out with God that wants to talk See, to you about it. See, the thing is. I don't want to do that either. I don't want to be there for eight hours like I, know. I am on the red zone. Uh, I'll get you a fire stick. <laughs> I'll break one out. Those are illegal. We wouldn't do that. No, I would like that. never. That's not, I would never. We do not cable. condone. That is not. Nor cool. do we enhance. It, it, it takes people's jobs. How would you? Seriously, I led. I, I teased this. Okay. In two years, it is entirely possible that we will see a Saturday football game that will have Stanford and Duke play in a conference football game. That's weird. It is weird. That's it, weird. It, and, and, and you know what? We keep talking about the Stanford and the Cal side of it, but you also have a bunch of East Coast schools that are going to have to go, right. be going to San Francisco as well. So it goes both ways. But I mean, Cal and Stanford, obviously, if they take that leap, that long leap to the ACC, it, a lot of fuel. It, and and uh, as Rudy has written down in our rundown, makes sense, but it's a, it's desperate times, <laughs> desperate measures. And this is truly desperate measure time. I, I, it always happens, this. When there's radical change, there's always people that get left out due to indifference. It sucks, right? You know, apathy or just playing the wrong card. And there's a couple of institutions, because this was played poorly, that are going to go away for a while, that we're not going to hear from again. Oregon State, been nice knowing you. You're done. Yeah. You know what? Um, Let me ask you this, Rob. Brett McMurphy of Action Network Mm -hmm. reported one Pac-12 president contacted a Big 12 counterpart and asked the league, if they could take all of us except Oregon State and Washington State. Now, what help? What is this Big Twelve, this Pac twelve president? Why would they hate Oregon State and Washington State so much to where they say, "Hey, you know what? Take us all except these two schools." Because they I had the least to offer. Like I said, Washington and, and, and Oregon and right State. Right now, it didn't play out to where it went to Big Twelve, but right now it seems like that's the ones that are going to be left out in the cold. They are. Uh, they it's it's wildly unfortunate. They're going to end up in the Mountain West. 
And it might be the most appropriate place for It might for be them. the best place. Yeah, so it's not like I was bemoaning the fact that we're losing rivalries. And some of these, you know, they're going to hurt, and others we're not going to miss. And there are some schools that probably, at the end of the day, I think their ADs and, more importantly, their college presidents would be a little bit more comfortable in a lesser role in Division One, Not having to place so much stuff, emphasis on the sports and being more of a scholastic institution. I get it. And some of those schools might be happier in a different situation. But here, as we're looking at this jumbled up of conferences, you know, the distance, I don't, no longer matters. Does it? You sure? Well, it can't because of the way this is set up. It's unfortunate. I don't know if I'm Stanford and I'm Cal and, and it does come to fruition where the ACC is willing to offer. You got to take it, but my gosh, you know, Stanford will be, when you mention them, they've got as good an athletic department as any place in the country, if yeah. not the best. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of sports we don't pay attention to, but they do. I, I, if I'm Stanford and Cal, I might almost call the Big 12 Rob and say, give us much less share rather than us putting, rather than me putting all of our universities, I mean, excuse me, all of our sports through this. Like I don't want my men's soccer team traveling to Clemson. Well, what's the difference between a four-hour flight and a two-hour flight? About forty grand in gas. I'm making money. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what. I mean, the distance thing to us seems wow, that's huge. But the fact of the matter is, it's not the, that. The, the, big the reason deal. Why, the reason why I feel like it is, Rob, because I mean, there's you know you you got to ask a pro football focus when the Seahawks travel to play the Dolphins. They lose fifty percent, mm-hmm. you know, sixty seventy percent of the time in the west to east. The same time thing. change and all that. No, I get it. Especially it's like, so what do you? The, the reason why I think is something, Rob, is because let's say you know you got back to back road games. It's Duke and Clemson. Do you stay over there and go to class remote that week, or do you fly all the way back to Cali then fly all the way back to South Carolina, or do you just say, hey, you know what, um, athletic director, um, chancellor? Dean, hey, we're going to stay in North Carolina for this week and let our give us let our kids do classes remotely. Well, don't uh, we know that kind of works, but doesn't UCLA have and USC have to ask the same questions when they go to Penn State? I mean, it is across the country. Is it the same question they have to ask when they go to Ohio State? It's across the country. BYU has to fly to West Virginia at some point, and so will Utah. So, I mean, travel. It sounds. Awful, and it is dumb. I mean, we like regional. That's why we like college football. That's why football. they do it, right. We want to see, is Louisiana better than California sports? I mean, that kind of tells us. And that's gone. I mean, this that idea is completely dead. Because, you throw the, because you're throwing class. Like, if it's pros, I'm like, whatever. You know, Cowboys, all right, you play the Chargers, and then you got to play the 49ers. I don't care. Figure it out. But because these guys are still, they still have to go to class, whether minute, how minute it is, it is a thing. It's a thing. Especially, like I say, we're talking about I still all think we're the trapped. way. I think we're trapped. In I, bro, I don't think. I don't think we have another answer. It, mm-hmm. The fact that we're even discussing two California teams playing in the ACC lets you know that we're out of options. And clearly, your mark has said, "Yeah, we got everybody we wanted." <laughs> or unless he pulls a backdoor deal at the last minute, and say, "You know what? I ain't gonna make." It. I, why don't y'all just stop and text? You've seen those signs, Rob, on apartments when you're driving home, and on the top of the roof it says, "If you lived here, you'd be home now." Yeah, I, I think that's what you, your mark should put a big sign over Texas that tells Stanford and Cal, "If you li- if you lived here, you'd be home now." 
You know what I mean? So it doesn't it doesn't make sense logistically, but what do you do if you're Stanford to Cal? There's no other option. You can't stay in the Pac-12. So what do you do? Well, why can't they? Why can't they stay in the Pac-12 combined with the Mountain West and maybe build something new? Play on, play on Apple TV? Because I think Stanford will be just fine. They're a national recruit. I, I agree with they that. They are. They're going to they're gonna ring in their guys. Cal is probably, if not the highest-ranked rated public institution as far as scholastic in the country, they're certainly in the top five, especially on the, on the science and math side. Um, any conference would certainly it's like you bring, you know you bring in the guys to help your grade point <laughs> you know any that conference nev- that are never going to play that would love to have stanford and cal show up <laughs> to kind of improve the grade point for the rest of the conference but if you're stanford and you're cal do you want to compete in a conference that doesn't even come close to your entrance requirements i mean they don't even come close and that's been the case I think the Pac-12 kind of prided themselves on having a little bit more difficult entrance requirements than the Big 12. They did. All of them? Yeah, well, I mean. All of them. They would. They will tell you that. Bill Walton would say the conference, Ooh, a conference of course, champions. Of course Bill Walton would say it. Uh, I know what's happening today, but do we happen know what happened on this day last year? Of the year before. Let's do on this day. Let's look back in history. David some, Pomerantz. Cue it up, let's Edwin. Let's get some money headed this direction. Let's do it. On this day, on August this day. the 8th, which is indeed my anniversary. Oh, damn. Happy anniversary. Thank Did you. you remember this morning? I She was still asleep. I'm, I'm, Did you even leave no break. eggs or bacon? No. <laughs> no breakfast in bed? No, I didn't. Okay. Not. She wouldn't have appreciated a 2.20 wake up. <laughs> Here, honey, here's Pop-Tart. On this day, August 8th, 1992, the Dream Team wins the gold. Taking down Croatia, 117-85. Reinventing the idea of greatness for the United States. The Dream Team took it home. That was 92. I'll never forget it. Yeah. That was truly one of those pivot points in American and, and sporting history when we got to see Magic and Larry and David and everybody stand up there with their... Remember, they had to cover up. Oh. Reebok was a sponsor. <laughs> and Jordan was like, no, sir. Wasn't going to... So they, <laughs> the, the, the work, the, uh, Reebok had sponsored all the Olympic... Uh, Sweats, all the gear right. that they were wearing. And so when they were going to go stand on the metal dais, Michael's like, I am putting on Reebok. And right. and uh, Magic and Larry are like, well, they're Converse guys. They weren't putting on Reebok. So the workaround was they draped flags over their shoulders to That's cover up the logos. Pretty smart. Yeah. And Mike was like, I'm making too much. These guys going to make me buy a pro franchise one day. <laughs> I I'm covering up this. T- and Reebok. Ugh. On this day back in 2007. Mm-hmm. Barry Bonds, oh, that was yesterday, on this day, August the it's 7th. All good. Yesterday. Barry Bonds hit his 756th career home run, setting the all-time record. The home run comes came in the fifth inning off Washington's Mike Boschick, and that was his entrance. He's probably the only one in the Hall of Fame for that. <laughs> There's no Bonds, but Koshik nope. made it. Or Damn, Boschick made it. it. Yeah, okay. On this day back in 1988, the trade. The Oilers brought in or traded Wayne Gretzky to the Kings for a trade haul that included three first-round picks and $15 million. And American hockey was reborn as Wayne went to L.A. back in 1988. That's the first time I ever paid any attention to hockey at all. Because of that. Because of that. I didn't. I'd seen it. 
to me, it was a bunch of toothless scarred dudes flying around on the ice, and then suddenly... They were allowed to fight. Yeah, suddenly Wayne showed up and things got... Most thing I knew about hockey was Blades of Steel. And that was kind of like... Blades of Steel! Yeah, Edwin, sorry. Which one is that? That was the... That was Nintendo. Yeah, that's what the it was Nintendo. I was, was it Sega? That, no, that no, was, was Nintendo. Nintendo. That was a good one. NHL hockey was a pretty good game, too. On this day, back in 1976... Year before I was born, what happened? <laughs> this is one of my favorites. You ever seen those Chicago White Sox photos back in the uh, 70s? In 1976, the White Sox rolled out in those shorts. Remember they wore the shorts? Have you ever seen the Google the Chicago White Sox in shorts? I don't remember. No, oh, well, of course good. I don't remember. It that. is not a good look. It was a one-off, and Chicago. we're glad it's over. The White Sox I don't wouldn't mind baseball players playing in shorts. No, it's hot. The, well, check. Wait till you see these. Were they, were they booty shorts? Uh, the, well, they were not the most impressive. Okay. 1976. Did you hear the White Sox? Here we go. You tell me that looks good. Oh, no. That wasn't it. They look like cricket players. <laughs> that does not look That's like not an American it. sporting event. No, that ain't it. Hey, the 8 o'clock hour will be a chock full of professionalism. It's just around the corner. We're going to have... Speaking of shorts, Phil Mickelson. I love Phil. Phil's paid. Phil's comfortable in his career. He he knows who he is. He's saying what he wants. He was like, you know, the PGA doesn't allow us to wear shorts, yet this week's leader can wear joggers that show more than half of his leg, and he has on ankle socks, but we can't wear shorts. And he just proceeded to clown the, that, that week's leader and his joggers and how high they came because I know what he's talking about I forget the golfer's name but he was wearing these like mm-hmm. you know these cute little joggers that you know showed a lot of his leg and, and 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 for whatever reason the ankle socks bothered Phil as well Phil been getting loose on the PGA he's got a lot of money in his pocket like, you know what I mean pay, like when you get debts. older you're like man I'm paid what are y'all gonna do to me what can the PGA do to me I'm gonna say what I want to say I'm a I'm all for shorts, but I will tell you this. It when, does I look watch, when I watch the live, when I watch Bryson, I see him in shorts, it does look a little unprofessional. Exactly. I don't know why, and I'm sorry I'm being like that. I'm not Thank even you. like the You're Mr. Professionalism alone, guy. You're not alone. It doesn't look right. It looks weird. Wear pants. That's all I have. And I don't know if it's just because it's change, but seeing Bry- Bryson DeChambeau in shorts make a winning putt shooting a 58, I'm like, he looks like Joe Reinagle. You know, I was, and it didn't bother me when NBA types could wear whatever they want on the sidelines. That didn't bother me. It didn't bother me when coaches started wearing warm-ups. It, that's fine. But there's something about golf and pants and golf and shorts where I play golf and shorts. Shorts golf isn't pretty. Pants <laughs> golf is pretty. There's a lot of courses across the country, those country clubs, you can't wear shorts. But you can on the live. And you can make $200 million doing it. And they don't even care. They don't even compete. They don't care. Yeah. See, that's nonchalant. They're in shorts. So if you're competing, I, you're in I pants. I shouldn't even be like that. I don't know why. It just looks weird. Maybe it's just change. No, it doesn't look right. It really doesn't. When you watch it, when you watch like a college tournament and they're all walking around in shorts, it feels like you could go out there and compete with them. Like, those guys look like me. But, dude, it's some, some places the pants are a little much because it's so hot. Like, you're playing in the Shell Open or whatever it is in Houston right now. Or whatever. It's it's It's... You know, it's we're gonna lot. we're gonna try to answer a question here Uh-oh. in a little after eight fifteen. When it comes to gambling in the NFL, what are we worried about? Are we worried about the players knowing too much and having a leg up? Or are we worried about the players physically throwing a game? What is the primary concern? Are we worried about the wrong thing? Right. We'll talk about that at eight fifteen, but coming around the corner. 
Clarence Hill Jr. is going to be with us. He writes to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, nobody knows more Cowboys than he. You don't want to go anywhere. He'll be here in just a couple of minutes. This is R&R in the morning, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the top oh, the left hand oh. slam. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. It's R&R in the morning. A Tuesday edition. He's Rudy J. I'm Rob Thompson. Easy E. Edwin Hafner. Production quality unheralded and taking us till 10 o'clock. Everybody good this morning? I'm fantastic. I am too. I'm excited. This is going to be a good hour. Next couple hours, we're going chock full of goodness. Uh, we've got sitting comfortably on hold uh, Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star Telegram joining us. Looking at Dallas Cowboy Camp. Let's get into it. Clarence. Dak Prescott is not going to play in the preseason. At least that's what McCarthy says. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's strange to me because, uh, you know, you were old school and for years they had a dress rehearsal for the season and they did four preseason games. And, you know, they may not have played the first game, but the second game they would play a quarter and a half or whatever else and they play a, you know, they, they'd get ready for the season. But this is the third straight year. This would be the third straight year that Dak Prescott is not taking snaps in the preseason. Of course, in 2021, he was coming off the uh, ankle injury, right? And then he had the, uh, you know, he had the arm injury in camp when he when he when he had the shoulder injury in camp. And then last season they do it, uh, and so it looks right now that they're not doing it again. And I thought that because they 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 changed the operations with with, with uh, McCarthy calling plays and and Shanahan in a booth that they would want to get a dress rehearsal just the mechanics of their operation with their quarterback. And uh, they, you know, I think they're going to do it in practice and, and do it in some of the uh, games back. You know, they're, they're going to have some uh, night practices at, at uh, back in the Ford Center in in, uh, in Frisco. But yeah, as of now, you know, because I asked Mike that yesterday, or not yesterday, but the last time we talked to him, I think it was Saturday, uh, and he said, "I, you know, I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't bet on it." So. That's where we are. It's a surprise. So if, if Dak's not playing, then you're probably not going to see Tony Pollard. You're probably not going to see uh, mm. your left tackle, uh, Tyron Smith. We're certainly not going to see Zach Martin. <laughs> he hasn't been <laughs> showed up yet. But but also some of the maybe your starters on defense like Michael Parsons and and Demarcus Lawrence. I don't know Michael Parsons is you know he he's ready to hit somebody. You know he's hitting Dak in practice. He's going to go crazy if he, he has to wait till <laughs> September the Giants to hit somebody. So we we were kind of speculating that maybe, you know, considering the last practice I saw Clarence was Thursday and the defense really got into him. And I, we were just kind of thinking, like, speculating back and forth that maybe he just feels like, hey, you know what, my offensive line's missing Zach Martin. I want to low-manage Tyron Smith. My line isn't up to par. I don't want to get Dak killed in a meaningless preseason game because it's just the offensive line issues. No, I, I don't. I, again, I don't I don't think that, 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 that would be the case. And, and we don't really know, again – when my when when um, Zach Martin's gonna show up, he can show up next week. You know he, you know. But again, right. it's my understanding that they're prepared to start the season without 
Zach Martin. So, you know, if, if he doesn't show up, he doesn't show up, but that's not going to stop them. I, I don't think that plays a role in in uh, playing Dak in the preseason. You know, Tyron Smith, you know, we talked to uh, Micah again. He said, yeah, Ty- Tyron Smith looks bad against me, but he's still pretty good. You know, that may not be the case against everybody else. That's just me. You know, that's just a, I'm, I'm a different animal. I'm a different guy. I'm special. Right. You know, I'm better than, than, than uh, Lawrence Taylor. The things I can do, Lawrence Taylor can't do. Okay. Wow. So don't 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 judge Tyron Smith off of me. Okay. okay? <laughs> that's so true. I, again, one thing you you you, you know we, we say struggling. I mean, the, the the defense is pretty good. This is a da- this is a damn good defense. You know, it's one of the top defenses in the league. Uh, they want to be number one. This, this defense doesn't tend to be special, so things are not going to look clean in practice. But you know that's what they want. They want the competition. They want, you know, you know they don't want it all to look pretty. I mean, I'm old enough, old enough to remember when the when the offense used to go against the backups in practice. You know, I'm old enough to remember when when in Tony Romo and, and the starting quarterbacks only threw the starting receivers. They didn't throw the, the second, third, fourth string receivers. You know, they're using everybody that can throw into a backup receiver, rookie receivers out there running with the first team. He's going against his first on first. It's just it's just a mm-hmm. different practice, and they like that competition. So that that's not discouraging. That's not uh, a deterrent in, in using Dak in the preseason because of what they're seeing in practice. That is Clarence Hill Jr. He writes for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And if you're a Cowboy fan and you're not following him on Twitter, you're not really a Cowboy fan. Now, I want to ask you a, a, just a question. I want you to answer it quickly, as quick as you can. How good okay. or how bad is the Dallas Cowboy offensive line? Hmm. Right now, without Zach Martin, it, 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 it's average. And I think even with Zach Martin, it was average. I mean, With uh, Zach Martin, it was like, average. It, yes. Yeah, it it was not good last year. You know, that was one of the dirtiest secrets of last year's team and their struggles with the offensive line was horrible. If you look at the PFF numbers, if you looked at it, it was one of the worst pass blocking units in the league. Um, and, and now you're coming into the season, it, it's still middle of the pack. This is not one of the Cowboys' offensive lines that we're used to seeing in past years. It's it's an average offensive line at best. Uh, Coach Mike McCarthy, last time y'all spoke, I guess it was Saturday, said they were going to be instituting their second red zone day. Um, they were number one last year. That, that hasn't been an issue for them. But I think there's there's one guy missing, and his number's 21. And five yards and in, Clarence, they could count on them punching the ball. And a lot of people, for me, I, and I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think everyone can do that. I see teams get stuck on the goal line t- week in and week out. Have they found somebody to handle their five yards and in and their third and short? Is that guy on the roster? Uh, that, that's a good question. I, I will say this. I think we talked about this. You know, maybe at the house, right? Uh, Dak Prescott will be your will be part of the package. On mm. you know, he's going to do the, the Jalen Hurts uh, quarterback sneaks. They did one in practice of the day. Don't don't forget that Dak Prescott when he did the quarterback sneaks last year, he was unstoppable, just like Jalen Hurts was unstoppable. So you know, when you're talking about third and one, fourth and one at, at the goal line or in the middle of the field. Don't discount the use of the quarterback because he's he's big, strong guy, and he's good at that. Uh, Tony Pollard is, is is stronger than you think, uh, and so he's a guy that they they believe you know has a nose for the end zone, nose to get to the first down. And and again, I've said all along, I think that once um, training camp is over, they may still bring in a power back. Clarence Hill joining us as we're looking at the offense, talking a lot about how the red zone implementation, the offensive line got some issues. Dak won't play in the preseason. On the other side of the ball, uh, Malik Hooker gets paid. Uh, was that a surprise to you that that came out when it did? 
it was a surprise. I mean, he was in the last year's deal, like uh, J. Ron Curse, and you know all the guys they want to pay. And we've talked about the guys that were up that they want to get paid, and you know, uh, of course, there's Zach Martin who wants to get paid and wants to get the raise. But you know, you got C. D. Lamb, and and uh, they need to play Terrence Steele, and and you know, the center uh, Beyonce is up. You know, they're guys that, that need to get deals done, and, and, and certainly I did not see them uh, re-upping. Uh, hooker at this point, uh, but again, the Cowboys got Donovan Wilson signed in the, in the spring. They got uh, Trevon Diggs signed, and I have a third member that's secondary. The secondary, which is what part of a strength of this team, signed for the future. So, so good for the Cowboys. They they got a deal that that Malik Hooker liked and, and would accept, and and it, it's a team friendly deal, and, and so good for them. But yeah, no, no, I, it it kind of came out the blue for sure. I only got to see three full practices, Clarence, and I, I'm still not sold. And I was hope, you know, hoping this guy would be able to bounce back. Have you liked what you've seen from Michael Gallup? Because from what I saw, Tolbert looked better. No. No. No? Tolbert just looks like a guy who, 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 who can walk and shoot gum, which he did do last year. <laughs> You can't fall off the floor. Ah, you can't fall off the floor, man. Damn, Clarence, come on, man. We just, we just, we just had me told with his catching passes. And, and run, and I'm not getting off sides of big games or stuff like that. So you are you but what okay, well then forget Tober. You does Gallup look I know he did some cleanup in the knee. Did Gallup, what have you seen from Gallup? Gallup is fine. He, he's fine. I mean, I never thought Gallup was special. I never thought he was one of mm. we got three number ones. You know, he's always been a number two, number three type guy, and he's going to be that. He, he's going to be the other guy. You know, the top two receivers on this team are, are Cooks and Lamb, and Lamb's going to get the majority of the ball, and, you know, the people are going to play off Cooks because he's a deep threat, and, and Michael Gallup's going to make plays on the backside. But, you know, he, he, you know, he's comfortable running his routes and, and being Michael Gallup. Uh, but, you know, I never thought he was special. I never thought he was that much better than Cedric Wilson who went to Miami mm-hmm. you know, at the bottom of that depth chart. But uh, he'll be back, and he'll still be better than the Michael Gallup of last year, and that's what we need to compare him to. So the Michael Gallup of last year, the Jalen Tover last year, and Noah Brown as the number two receiver, that receiving core was awful. I, I talked all last year at training camp. You know, it was CD and a bunch of maybes. Throughout the season, it was CD and a bunch of maybes. They had one of the worst receiving cores in the league throughout much of the season. Played a role in Dak's play. You know, this receiving core is much better. They have more speed, you know, with, with Brandon Cooks uh, and certainly a healthier Michael Gallup than they were last year, which is why they are, you know, you say they struggle, but they have scored touchdowns. They've made plays in practice this year. They didn't score any touchdowns in practice in, in last year in training cup. Lance L. Jr. joining us right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Uh, we hope to have him regular all season long. Great insight inside uh, the star, inside the building, as he's still up in, in Oxnard getting ready for practice today. Micah Parsons and the possibility of being Defensive Player of the Year. If he gets that, if he does all the things to become and, and to earn the Defensive Player of the Year, where does that take the Cowboys? Does that tell you the Cowboys are more than just a February team? Is that enough to carry them all the way to the Super Bowl, that kind of play on the defensive side? Well, I, I certainly – he's always going to be in the conversation. Remember, he was he, – you know, it's crazy. He's been runner-up the past two years. Right. You know, you know his first two years in the league, first team out pro, runner-up, defensive player of the year. So he's always going to be in the conversation. He – is better. He knows what he's doing. You know, the, the scary part is he was rushing the pass as a rookie. He really didn't know what he was doing. He was just lose, using sheer athleticism. Now he knows what he's doing, knows how to step people up, which is why he's dominating the entire 
Tyra Smith. But if if he is a defensive player year type player and he gets that done, I certainly think it gets you the NFC Championship game. You know, I, I can't say the Super Bowl because again, we have not seen the Cowboys right. get to the Super Bowl. Right. You, you know, you, it takes more than one player. You know, they you know they they got to make plays and, and, and show up on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and, and the kicker problem is still a problem in Dallas. There's a kicker problem in Dallas. There's a lot of different things that can hold this team back. But but if, if Mike if Michael talked about it, he said you know if if you know to, to win a defensive player of the year, we got to get deep in the playoffs. We got to get you know to the championship game to the Super Bowl, and that's his goal. It's the defensive line is so good, Clarence, and the secondary. You know they've sold up everybody, and they went and got Gilmore, and they got they re-signed Diggs. Talk to me about the linebacker room. What is the consensus around you know the media and then the coaching staff about the linebacker room? Is that the weak link of the defense? Where's Micah? What position does he play? You tell <laughs> me. How you want to define him? Yeah. When it's time to get paid, Clarence. When it's time to get paid, he a linebacker. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it starts with Leighton Vanderbilt. He's the guy that puts it all together, you know. And and and, and they really like what he's doing. And the fact that he stayed healthy, you know, after all the fear of him being able to play, he's the quarterback of that defense. They can line up, just talk to player after player, and they can have nothing but good things to say about Leighton Vanderbilt and how he's, you know, Michael Parsons and the kid from LSU Bar. I mean, they, they really like uh, how Leighton puts it all together. Yeah, there's no. Outside of Michael, there are no pro bowlers, no all pros at linebacker. But, again, a linebacker is almost like running back. You know, it's, it's a devalued position, which is why the Cowboys mm. play the big nickel with two safeties. The base difference is three safeties and two linebackers. Well you know, and, 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 and so that, 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 that linebacker position is, is pretty much interchangeable. It, it, again, it, it's, it's a devalued position, but they do like what, what Layton does to just, just, you know, put people in place and, and, and be the quarterback of their defense. So it's not going to be a position that's going to hold them back. They got too much around the linebackers. Again, the big defense alignment, you know, having Mozzie, you know, having Hankins will allow the linebackers to run to the football. You brought up Mozzie Clarence yeah. just now, and it's amazing how little we're talking about the Cowboys first round draft pick. I mean, there isn't a whole lot of conversation regarding him, but from what I've seen, there should be. It looks like he brings a little bit of flair and certainly a little bit of drive power inside the tackles that we haven't seen in a bit. Tell us what your thoughts are on Mozzie. Is he an imminent starter, and should we expect about as much as we think we should expect from him this season? Well, two things. He's a nose guard, so there's you know it, 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 it's it's not a position of excitement. You know, he, right. he's there to be a run stuffer. And, and plug, and it's really hard to see in camp and practice, you know, what he's doing in there and, and, and the impact he's made. We won't really know that until a game, but he's taking double teams and, again, allowing the linebackers to run and make plays. He's not a guy that's going to compile a lot of stats. That's, that's not his job. His job is to take on double teams and stuff like that, and the Cowboys are very pleased. The fact that you can see him and Hankins on the field together, those, those big wide bodies on the field together to help stop the run when the Cowboys struggled last year against – on defense during midseason, it was because they couldn't stop the run. Teams were running against him. It was one reason why they they drafted Mazda to help stop the run to take this defense to the next level. I've always said you can't be a great defense without a horse in the middle. Well, they have a horse in Mazda Smith. His strength and what he does and, and his potential as a pass rusher, you know, he's going to be a game changer for him, game record. Al Clarence, we'll end with this. We've been talking about this all day because Joe Reinagle, who you debated with at the house, wrote an article 
outside of LeBron, we'll put LeBron aside, Clarence. Mm. Is Dak the most hated man in sports? Outside of LeBron. I wouldn't say Dak. (laughs) No? No, I wouldn't say Dak is hated. I I, I, I think he, you know, certainly because he plays quarterback and, you know, and and he's certainly a lightning rod. I I think he's, he's certainly the biggest lightning rod. How about that? I wouldn't say hating him, but he's he right now is the biggest lightning rod, biggest trigger man, because of you know the the national shows like to use right. that and the Cowboys have talking points, and so he's certainly the biggest lightning rod right now in the NFL for sure. Lightning rod, right. I like it. You're right, Rob. The Clarence is also a lightning rod. Make sure you're catching all of his stuff yeah, on the Fort Worth Star Telegram. He's sending out viral videos. But, uh, I want to give trouble. you an idea of what Clarence is like, what where he is in the world. Uh, when Jerry walks by, uh, he stops and talks to Clarence. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that for two hours. If you for know, two boy. hours, he he stops and talks with Clarence. Man, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, man. The knowledge is always great. Keep yourself hot, healthy. We'll talk to you soon, huh? I appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. Clarence, always a pleasure stopping by. I think he might be a regular here on these Raider Waves coming for the next 18 weeks or so. Hope so. I, I'll tell you, every time I talk with Clarence, I always feel like he's out there taking – he's not a company line guy. He's not. He's always been the guy that, over the last 20 years, that always points out the problems. But there are certain things that when he believes in them, he believes them. And Dak Prescott, he is a believer. A lot of people are, Rob. Lightning rod. But I wouldn't have thought that he would have been on that side of the fence. I really wouldn't have. Yeah. I again I'm not i I'm not surprised. Again, he's one of those, you know, uh he's one of those guys that you you know everybody likes to debate. Yeah, and he's good at it. Uh, we're going to have Todd Archer join us in about uh, 45 minutes or so. He writes for ESPN. We'll look back on camp yesterday. The RB2s took precedence. They were uh, active, busy, because no Tony Pollard yesterday. A lot of run plays, and we'll tell you who's separated, if anybody's separated with Archer when he joins us in a few. But I want to talk about something that you saw this yesterday, and this started popping around over the weekend. We've seen the gambling issues pop up over the the season. How many guys are out right now? Five or six? Some four games, some six games, some all season. For gambling in different ways in the league. Right. We're going to talk about what is the league to do? What are any of these leagues to do as gambling becomes a fire hose of money? Fire hose. I like that. That that is being just poured into each franchise, each city, and each uh, fan. We'll talk about it in a bit, but first. So here we sit. We are on the precipice of available gambling in every state. It's not far away. How far is Texas away? That's all I care about. Not far. I'd you say sure? under, under five years. Okay. I think we're probably maybe only two more biannual gatherings of our state Congress before we actually get it done. And we're like most, but gambling is available everywhere. Whether you have a friend that's a book, whether you have an app, whether you live in a city where you can go do some OTB or whether you can just walk in and play cards and hit a book. We have access to it. And that means players have access to it and it's legal to do. It is not illegal to be a gambler. It is not. If you're off the premises. If you're off, well, even that is not necessarily illegal. It's against the rules. There you go. Not illegal. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we got to get, we have to maintain that. Nothing that these guys did was illegal. They were just against the rules of the NFL. They're not in jail for gambling. They're just not allowed to play because they gambled on or around NFL. 
that's what they did. And we lost what we lost Ridley for a year. Yeah, we just lost another Bronco, and he's under criminal investigation. What do you do? I mean, at the end of the day, and let's let's forget the. Well, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do this. Where do we want to get? Do we want to get to a place where no athlete gambles, where it's no gambling? Do we want to get to a place where gambling is only allowed on sports that they don't participate in? I mean, where where is the finite line that we can try to to get? See, where the the NFL's in a in a weird situation. One, they take a buttload of money from DraftKings and FanDuel, a buttload of money from them. Not only that, Rob. Be clear, injury reports ahead of time is strictly for gambling. Yes. So where do strictly, we want? I mean, so what do we want? It's strictly for gambling. You get there's no there's nothing they can do. There's nothing the NFL can do about it. You you made your bed. You got to lay in it. What do you mean? There's nothing they can do. What what do you what, what do you okay? Well, first of all, if you're asking me what can they do about the players, look, dudes are men, women, whatever, children. We're gonna be stupid. We're going to make mistakes. The rules are plastered all over NFL locker rooms, all over NFL facilities. If a guy is dumb enough to go ahead and do it, that's not but on the NFL. You haven't answered my question. Where do you want the league to be? Where do we want to go? Do we want them to, allowed to gamble but not on yes. football? Okay, so that's where we want. Can we agree uh, on that? You, you, can't, you can't police it when but, you've taken the money. But, you know, we can say that about the speed limit. Everybody breaks it, but we still have it. You know what I mean? We all break the speed limit, but we still have it as a basic framework. Don't do that, but it's not the end of the world if you do. It is the end of the world if you're missing a year. If you're miss, if you're costing your team Ridley, if you're costing your team 17 games, it is it is on you, and it is the hurting your team. It is hurting them. So it's up to the NFL players to follow the rules. So it's up to the players to follow the rules, and if yes. they don't, we suspend them. It's, uh, uh, there's a lot of rules that you or, have to follow, right? right. So I, why I don't would think, gambling be any different? I don't think we're we're trying to get rid of gambling, but I do think we all have to agree that players shouldn't be gambling on the the games that they are involved with. Like NFL players should not be allowed to gamble on the NFL. If we they're say not that allowed gro- to, right? And we say that as a gross thing, but is it because we're afraid they're going to fix a game, or is it? We're afraid that they're going to know more than we do and be able to win more. It's the integrity. It's the integrity. So is that both or neither or all? I mean, what are we worried about? I'm trying to figure out what are we worried about? You're worried about insider information. Insider information to whom? To the consumers. To the game. You have, like, the, the, biggest, the biggest problem the NBA had was people thought the games were fixed, and that was all because of Tim Donaghy. If you if you if you cross into that realm, you're gonna have you're gonna lose fans. But that wasn't a player; that was a ref. No, you're right. I, I agree with you. But if a player is betting on the game that he is in, that and and a bookie sees that, or a FanDuel guy sees that, that changes things. So you're not advocating that players should be able to gamble. No, not on the. I think they should be able to gamble on the NBA. I think yeah. they should be able to gamble on baseball, but no, no, they shouldn't be able to gamble because they do. I mean, only because they know the sport more extensively than any of us do. It does change things. And they do know. I mean, they know. They, they know. know this guy cannot handle that guy. Right. I know the rest right. of the world looks at it and says it's going to be evil. Trust me, this guy can't handle that guy. That's going to be a difference. Right. Are we angry with that because they know it and we don't? Is that integrity? They know I, we don't. I think that is integrity. But it doesn't affect the line unless they're laying a lot of money. They just know more about it than we do. But if said bookie, said FanDuel guy knows it's an NFL player doing it, it does change things. It does. It I'm not advocating, things. but right. they could say, look, man, all I know is the line was eight. I know this guy. They're both healthy. I know that guy can't handle him. 
That's and an, I'm going to bet that way. And I feel that is an integrity issue. It is. And it should not ever no. be allowed. Now, here's the problem. The NFL has asked the government, the FBI, I don't know, Whoever. come help us. But they won't tell us what they need help with. What exactly is your severe problem? Do we have a worse problem out there than we know about? And see, the, and, and I feel like they're hypocrites, the wrong word. Why, why are you worried about illegal gambling when illegal gambling drives up your viewership, which drives up your sponsorships? So I'm confused as to why they're worried about illegal gambling. The the only reason why anybody is sitting around watching the Cardinals and the Browns is because of fantasy, which is a form of gambling, and because of gambling itself. And that and what drives that is a, a, a part of the you know the driving force in that is illegal gambling. And then you can't say, "Hey, Congress, help us with the illegal side," but we're not going to tell you the like. Congress asked them directly. How many open cases do you have with players gambling where you're investigating a player and the NFL decided not to answer that question? And Congress is like, wait a minute. So y'all want help with the illegal side, but you don't want to let us know about the problems that you're having behind your closed doors. Now, I don't know if Congress deserves to know, but I can understand why they're asking like, okay, well, y'all want help. Shouldn't y'all want our help all around, even inside? I mean, the amount of players that you've had suspended for gambling on NFL on the NFL or gambling while you're on the premises on something else, it's not staggering. There's 52 guys on 32 teams. That's a whole lot of players. We got, what, like 10, 20 players maybe, Rob? I don't think it's really a big a problem as we're making it out to be. So I can see why they're like, Congress, why do you need to know that? Just help us with the illegal side. But I don't know what Congress can do. What could Congress do about Edwin being my bookie? Well, here, Ronald Reagan told us a long time ago, the most terrifying thing you can hear is, I'm the government and I'm here to help. That's the thing you don't want to hear. You don't want the government. St- <laughs> you're here to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. ain't going to help. Right. You right. might want to help, but you ain't going to help. So the last thing we need is the federal government stepping in. Sniffing around. And like, all right, we're here to help. And by the way, while we were here, you might want to repaint your front door. And while we were here, you might want to do that too. No, I just brought you in to help this. So once you let the government in, once you open the door to let them in to fix the problems, they're going to find more problems. I understand That's why the true. NFL's That's doing true. this. I understand why the NFL is doing it. But the fact remains, I don't think the United States is really in a place to figure out exactly where we are with gambling. I mean, where are we with this? Because a harmless bet here or there, you just said it, fantasy football is gambling. And it is. And everybody does it. We're all doing it. Even football players play fantasy football. NFL players play fantasy. You think they're doing it for free? Hell no, they ain't. I went uh, several years in a row before Tony Romo got his gig. He hosted this gigantic fantasy football thing that the NFL said, we don't like this. We don't like you doing this. But you're down with the gambling. I remember that. And you're down with fantasy. They have fantasy shows. So now now they're in on it. Now now they're in on it. So how do you tell the players not to? The only thing you can do is just forbid it. Say so you can't do it and expect that you're going to have problems. You're going to have every couple of years, something's going to happen. But the only thing that you have to watch is never let the idea of the integrity start to slip. Euros have made it for years. They've been gambling. And every now and then, there's a controversy. There's a guy that was throwing matches. There's a guy somewhere doing it. But they've always 
come back. College basketball's dealt with it before. A big, a uh, big Paul scandals. Hornig and Alex Karras back in the day were suspended for gambling back in the Pete 50s. Rose, yeah. Jimmy the Greek was sitting on NFL Today on CBS in 1974 telling me dudes were hurt and the weather was good. Take the over. They were telling me that in 1974 when there were two places in the United States to gamble. Two. No, one. It was mm-hmm. Vegas. That was it. But why is Jimmy the Greek and telling guys that. in San Antonio to bet the over? And for years, Al Michaels drops little dimes about the over. I covered this, that. Like, Al Michaels always knows the line. And Brent, too. Oh, Brent, too. Brent went into the game, left the broadcasting, and just got into the gambling game. So we all know it's been I don't here. Think, I don't think you can fix it. No, because it's always been here. We just didn't talk about it back then. Right. And it didn't, we didn't have the social media ripple effect that one weird bet someplace can ripple across the country. Right. Didn't have that before because Paul Hornig with the Green Bay Packers was making bets with his book in Green Bay. <sighs> Brutal. Can't now, have it. Now it ripples. Now we find out about Alabama baseball coaches and gambling and all kinds of strange things in the weirdest possible Iowa way. State, was it Iowa? Iowa State with the players, a quarterback? Oh, well, he's going to go down for this. So maybe we should revel in the fact that we are catching these guys, that there are the, the news. It's not just we don't hear about it till it's awful, so suddenly the whole thing collapses, that they're catching the dudes. That we did get the guy at Iowa State. And we did get those eight NFL guys. And we do have some other investigations out there. That there is something happening. But let me tell you, if the NFL ain't telling us what they're seeing, they it's won't. worse than we think. It's worse than we think. If they, if they were proud of their record, if they their report it. card they was all A's, it. it'd be it. on the refrigerator. They show it. That means, that uh, the, I have a feeling, that means the NFL has a lot of open cases that they're openly investigating. And they're like, nah, we ain't telling y'all that, Congress, because then y'all are going to want us to open the books. And we can't do that because then now we're jeopardizing the integrity because you got way more guys gambling on this sport than we're led to believe. Because if you're only caught 10, that means 100. There's 100. (laughs) There's 100 of Mm -hmm. them that are just like getting away with it. And we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about the player that calls his cousin. Remember Arian Foster, former Texans running back, Says there's a script. <laughs> I don't buy that. I think that that would be. He said there's a script, Rob. Well, Arian had a lot of, a lot of ideas. Some ayahuasca, <laughs> little ayahuasca. But to say that in 1982 there weren't a hundred NFL players who called their cousins, called their brothers, and go, "Hey, man." Especially then when you weren't making that much, right? And you just call you like, "Hey, man, I know it's not about injuries. I just know that team can't beat that team. I just played." Them. You know, I, th- what they're telling you ain't it. Go do. That kind of knowledge. Are we that afraid of it? It's entertainment for me. So I, I, I'm speaking for me and me only. I don't care. I don't care because it takes a whole lot to fix a game. So I don't really, it's not, it doesn't really bother me if uh, me as the long snapper, I'm like, dude, these dudes suck on grass. This quarterback has that percentage, True. and this running back can't do this and that. Uh, but let me lay a thousand on that game. What is? I don't give a damn. Until we do. Until we do. Until we do. Hey, coming back on the other side. Hey, say goodbye to the Apple Cup. That Washington Washington State rivalry Whoa, that's gone. No and bedlam. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Rivalries are going, and we're realigning all over the place. Where are we going? We're going to hear from Nick Saban, who sadly laments the past.
We're talking college football, or should we be calling what I would like to call it the Professional Collegiate Football League, the PCFL in full effect. We're talking about it next. You're on R&R, and this is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. The Jim Rome Show returns to the military city. Hey, listen, I get it. That is not an easy game. I don't know, man. There's a lot going on there. The Jim Rome Show debuts this Monday at 12 noon on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, good morning to you. Top of the morning to all. That's Rudy. I'm Rob. This is R&R. Thank you for listening on your devices or watching us live on our YouTube channel. And if you're not doing either, go there. Get there. But if you're on your car radio, thank you for taking us where you're going. We'll be with you all day long. Let's get going at 2 o'clock today. Shereen Williams will be here. Talking Cowboys, Todd Archer is just around the corner at 9 o'clock. We're talking with him. He of ESPN. He was at practice yesterday. You know, the uh, the world of uh, college football is, if you'd have told me a week, just a week ago, that there'd be no more Pac-12, that it'd be, it's done. What would you say? You'd have laughed. Everybody would have laughed. Like, you're telling me last I'd, week? I wouldn't have said done. Done. It's done. Now the, there's four teams left, two of which might already be gone to the ACC. The Mountain West probably will swallow up the state schools up there in the Northwest, the Oregons and the Washingtons, and yeah. on we go. And here we sit, three primary conferences, roughly 60 teams in these three conferences, a little bit less than that, but that's where we are. We have separated now. We now have an upper echelon, 60 teams, a professional collegiate Football League, the PCFL. PCFL. Professional Collegiate Football League. PCFL. Fair. Has three divisions. The ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. That's where we are. So, yeah, and that's another thing. So we got to stop saying Power 5, right? There's no more Power 5. It's Power Power 3. And it is a professional organization in every sense but one. And what is that? Because they school? don't have unified leadership. There is not, not a an union. overarching commissioner or commissioner. The, the NCAA is no longer applicable here. What the NCAA was, it ain't. And those that ran the NCAA, they're gone. Emmert's gone. And there's a new idea of what the NCAA is going to be. But even that, I think, is already flawed. We need to have a set of rules for the three conferences and then a set of rules for everybody else. Is that no. What do you mean? They're op- they are operating no. with hundreds and hundreds of million dollar budgets, and then you have the others that are not. No, but why would I have a different set of rules for the not? Well, I'm just saying for the, I think there's a different set of rules for the haves because we're dealing in an entirely different it's a different game. No, no, What's no, no, happening no. in Sam Houston is very different than happening in College Station. It is. It, it, that's fair, but there's guys, I know one of them that plays right here. He's played for 7 years for UTSA. Makes a good living. Would you agree with seven years in the SEC? If it, I mean, if he was injured twice and there, then you throw in the COVID. Why not? <laughs> I'm just he just playing by the rules. So I don't think. No, I'm talking about the rules for pay. I'm talking about professional, like not just NIL money. I'm talking about the industry that is the professional collegiate football league, where they the conferences have signed these billion dollar deals. We know it's coming. They're going to be paying players. It's it's here. It's already about to happen. No, I'm not disagreeing with that part. So that those guys should have a different set of rules than, say, Sam Houston State. 
or a UTSA. I disagree with that. Why would they have a? Why, di- why, why should I hold A ex- and M to the same standard as Sam Houston State when I'm dealing with entirely different issues? Entirely different issues. I, 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 I'm just not. I just don't. I can't wrap my brain around why would it be a different set of rules. Well, we I hold, don't get it. because there's a different set of rules right now for an athlete that's going to St. Mary's University than there is for an athlete that's going to UTSA. They're still playing basketball. They're still getting their degree. But because St. Mary's doesn't invest as much money into their athletic department, they are held to a different standard than UTSA, who, who I mean, the amount of investment is 20 times. UTS has, is held to a different standard. You get to do different things. There's scholarship money that you can give that St. Mary's can't. There's a lot of things that are available to the UTSA student that St. Mary's would never see because they're playing on a different level. Different level. And because of that, different there level should be different sure. rules. I, I would say if you're landing at a, at a power three institution, there should be a union to protect you. There should be. There should be a union to protect you long after you leave the league, just like the NFL has it for those professional athletes. If you get hurt, you can invest. I'm fine with that. But I don't think we should force UTSA to do that because they don't have the money to do it. It's a different set of rules. So I think we need to realize that what was was this umbrella of NCAA football that had 365 teams. That's gone. We got 60 professional franchises now. You do have sixty professional franchises, but I I still think at the same time. I mean, if we're if we're just talking about money, if we're just talking about simple simple money, if a whatever San Antonio business owner wants to you know give a certain player a certain thing, I don't know why no, that's rule why, no, that's be the different. Same. That's nil. Oh, okay, got I'm you. Talk, nil applies to everybody. Okay, got I'm not you. taking okay, got that you. away. Okay, got you. Got but you, got what you. I'm talking about is the ma- the massive state school and the football factories that these things have become. And we've all understood. We all know how much money it. is there, and everybody's chasing it. So we know while the chase is in place, now's the time to make the rules. And here's my biggest fear: we talked about Congress stepping in with the NFL. Do we really want Congress? passing some kind of overarching set of rules for college football and college sports. Do we really I, want that? I don't. No. I don't. I just so, feel like there's other things that could be – there's other things yes, they need to worry about. We do don't need to stuff. go into. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't need them in college am football. Am I crazy in saying it is time for college football, the three commissioners to gather together with these 60-some-odd college presidents and go, this is who we are. Let's accept the fact that we're a professional league. Let's go appoint a commissioner. Let's go get somebody, a face, and let's treat it like a commissioner. Not an NCAA, not this bunch of bureaucrats, but a guy that we are paying to make sure we are running correctly. Like a Goodell, like an Adam Silver, because this is a professional undertaking. I wouldn't mind that. Right. I wouldn't mind that. To get some sort of order. Again, I, I don't want the money to stop flowing for the schools or oh, for the kids. It'll open up. Yeah, I, I don't want that, but I, I wouldn't mind having someone overseeing it, to, really to protect the players yes. more than anything. Protect and seek financial avenues for everybody to right. continue to make money. And that, first and foremost, goes to the players. Yeah, and and I wouldn't mind, of course, because everybody, no matter how much NIL money you get, you, a lot of y'all still not going to the league. And what protects you after that? Yes. So those we're, things. We're, I'm, we even we're just talking boom. about medical. Yes, all of those little right. things that – Little schools can never and should never be asked to offer. These big schools should be held to a different account. Yes, especially, I mean, yeah, because you got some universities, like, you know, that one up up in Austin making $200 million a year. 
Yes, they should be held to a different standard. Absolutely. So, I thought we were talking NIL. I got no, you. No, now I, we're on the NIL same page. ain't going. I'm, now this is got, all now, for players' benefit. Now we, we are on the same page. We're now headed to, when I say professional collegiate football league, that tells you immediately, once you're professional, you have ownership of your own career. You're a pro. They're paying you to do something, and you, you benefit by that. You have ownership of it. And let's give those kids the ownership of it. So it's, this is going to be a tough one. This is not going to be easy to take when we're talking about an 18-year-old hiring an agent. Because you're going to have to. You're a professional. I don't and think there's anything wrong with that. You're going to have to go negotiate your deal, and you're going to go to a school, and they're going to you're going to sign a deal. You're going to be part of a union, probably. You're going to pay union dues. There could be a strike. There could there will be collective bargaining. There will be all the things that you have to give workers to empower them. And we still got to go to class. Well, that's a question. Do you? That's Do you what have to I, go now or maybe later? Maybe that's you, what I'm wondering. Like, you get if a that's scholarship. The case, if we're going to that level, Rob, we're going to have a, a commissioner and a union, mm-hmm. and you got an agent. Yeah, no, you still need to go to class. You still well, need to go to class because, again, like I, I can't just say because all of them aren't going to the NFL. No, but so you guarantee I, them four years of education payable whenever you want them. And we'll give you eight. We'll give you ten. You get ten years of free education. You can come back when you're 50. You don't have to go now. But you can come back and be a professional athlete at 18 at Bo Diddley Tech. focus on football. And we're going to promise you eight years of college. You can use you it today, do- tomorrow, 20 years. Are we doing that for the swimmers and the volleyballers? Why or just not? Football? No, I'm asking. Are we Are we doing that for them, too? That, hey, we're just guaranteeing you four years of school whenever you want, but just come here and be an athlete. Be and do. And you can compete now and go later. Go you can school. go now. Go now. It's yeah. up to you. It's up to you. Because that's where we are. We are treating our athletes... What was ain't is, and we're no, talking saw, about Duke and and yeah, Cal saw, playing conference games. I read a piece today where Little Bronny's worth ten million. Like, what are we what are we talking about when he hasn't stepped foot on? He hasn't even played a game at USC. <laughs> he hasn't even played a game. Now, see, now that comes down to California allowing high school kids to make money, whereas Texas, you can't. That's why we need a PCFL commissioner that says, not the government, not the federal government stepping in saying all or nothing. Let the league decide for itself. The real G top running backs should stay all four years. If they get NIL, they'll probably make more money. Right facts. now? Facts. Facts, Darrell. Facts, D. Appreciate that. This is an all in a movement to empower the players. And, and it doesn't but sound see, like the- it is, but in the end it will. Rob, you're making a lot of sense, but there's a lot of people out there that are, are you You just made about 10 people drive off the road. Well, I mean, change like, sucks. Change <laughs> is hard. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a bunch of people that are like, are you crazy? These kids already have too much power. You want to give them more? Yes, because you know how much money they're earning? You know how much money For the universities Frank Harris is worth to UTSA? You know oh, how God. much he's worth to that school? Yeah, way more than he's making. Exactly. So, yeah, we can say they're just kids, but guess what? They are monetary units. They are widgets in a big machine. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Arch. There's, there's a big there's a big group of guys. Caleb Williams, what is he worth to USC? He ain't getting no. it. I don't care what his NIL is, he ain't getting it. No, he's not. Even Bryce Young, who they reportedly made a million dollars from Chick uh, Canes or whatever the hell it was, Alabama, I think Nick Saban's the highest-paid state official in Alabama. Why shouldn't no, Jared I, Judy be or, or Bryce Young or whoever the hell we want to talk about? Not the highest-paid employee, but these three conferences need to go hire a business person, a a Adam Silver, a, a Brett Yormark, a Brett somebody. Yormark, somebody who will be actively in search 
of alternative and new revenue streams for the institutions, for the conferences, but at the end of the day, for the players that are making the oh. money. Uh, text coming in, uh, 2597. Isn't it four? What about the ACC? <laughs> no. Because you, we, you no, did I'm just, it is four. Yeah, you, you, I well, mean, wait we a minute. Convenient. No, it's not. The Pac 12 doesn't exist. No, it's, ACC. The ACC Big still 12, exists. Big 12, SEC, ACC, Big 10, four. That's four. four. Yeah, it is four. So we'll, we'll count the four, but the third, that fourth one, the ACC, that's a basketball thing. They're, they're members. They are. And yeah. they should play a role, but I, and I, I overlooked them sadly. No, no, no. That's cool. Um, it is four. But with this big four, I think this grouping of 60, 80 institutions, need to be held to a different account, a different standard. It's different for them. And you can you can aspire to rise to that level, and maybe some teams at some point will, will relegate themselves and go, you know what, this is not worth it. And some schools have said this just is well, not I mean, worth it. Keep in mind, just recently, UAB went away. They went away, regrouped, and came back. Now, they came back, but they went away because, really, there was a study done a couple years ago that showed – most schools that have football are losing money. So now, I, do I think, look, Gonzaga, I'm sure, wants a football team. UConn wants a, There's a lot of schools that want a football team. If you just can't simply can't afford it, I'm sorry. Again, there's a lot of things that I want that I can't afford. That is life. So what I'm basically saying is if it becomes too much for your university just to have a football team and it's, ca- it's causing you to raise tuition and the yeah, cost of go away. go away. And I think that's and what that these sucks, 80 but have it's just, done. That's just life. And I do think that's what we've done. These 80 schools, and I'm rounding yeah, out, yeah, yeah, I know have mean. gone and said, we're in, all in. And all the other ones that hesitated, like the Washington States and the Oregon States, said, eh, we'll just wait and ride the boat and see how everything goes. They're done. They, they got Man, cooked. If I'm, again, if I'm like any school in the Pac-12, even the ones that have gone, and of course Washington State and Oregon State, I am so hot with the Pac-12 brass because y'all didn't see, y'all didn't, y'all, it's y'all's job. Mm. To see without seeing, without meaning push. look beyond the mountains and see, okay, what's gonna, there's gonna be something coming on the horizon. And the Pac 12 brass didn't see that. Texas and OU came to you begging, hey, take us. We'll come to the Pac 12. You know, the Pac- and you know what, Rob, we talked about this yesterday. You said at that time, maybe not, but it's not your job to live in the now when you're in those roles. Your job is to see what's coming on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And when and when the Pac-12 turned it down, the SEC said, wait a minute, Texas and OU want to leave? Won't you? Come over here, fool. We got $60 million apiece for y'all. Come on over here. And the Pac-12 brass screwed that conference, and now it's gone. West Coast football, as we know it, is gone, Except unless you're going to watch them when they're playing your favorite Big Ten team. It's gone. It's gone. And that's on that's on upper management, and that is awful. That cannot happen. Well, Nick Saban looks sadly on the rubble <laughs> that he kind of helped create. Let's not kid ourselves. Bama being on the very top is one of the reasons all this has been going on, that desperate attempt to supplant a team that's been number one in the country for the last 15 years. Nick is sad for the rivalries that are gone. There's a lot of traditions that we've had for a long time in college football, and uh, I think we're in a time of evolution for whatever reasons and some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside I think and it's sad whether it's good bad or indifferent for college football I guess you have to define what is good bad what is good and bad for college football 
Well said, Nick. We'll have to define it over the next couple of years as the money continues to grow and we're still figuring out how this college football, professional college football league is actually going to work. Uh, we got a lot to continue to talk about there. But Todd Archer is waiting in the wings. He's warming up. We're talking Dallas Cowboy football with one of the best. He writes for ESPN, and he's been in Cowboy camp all preseason long. We're going to continue talking Dallas Cowboys next with one of the best, Todd Archer. Hang on tight. There's more to come. This is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the back oh. the left hand slam. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Don't mind them brake lights. We'll get you where you're going. He's Rudy. I'm Rob. This is R&R. Easy E driving this boat for another hour. We're excited about this. Uh, Cowboys practice yesterday. Got busy again after a Sunday off. Let's find out what happened and where they're going. Todd Archer of ESPN, one of those insiders, is joining us. Hey, Todd. How are you today, man? It's been a couple days. Enjoy yesterday's cool yeah, weather. I, <laughs> sure, absolutely. Miss you guys out here. Appreciate it. Todd, let's I mean, let's get right to it. A lot has been said about Dak Prescott and uh now they're talking about, you know, they've had conversations about his extension. You know, a lot with Zeke, they didn't negotiate that contract extension with him. This way they gave them some wiggle room to get out from under the contract. Should we read between the lines if they don't get it done prior to this season that they're trying to leave the door open to wiggle out of the contract if need be? That's a that's a great thought. Uh and I don't know how many conversations they're having right now with Dax's uh, agent about a contract extension, to be honest with you. Uh, the guys that I've talked to said it's kind of on the back burner. Their focus now is CeeDee Lamb, Terrence Steele, and then then see what happens with Dak in this year. But his cap number next year is 59-point-something million. Uh, that's a big cap number going into the last year of a contract because he has two void years on his deal right now. So mm. I don't know if it's like a win or else and they'll move on from Dax. Uh, after this year and draft a guy. Um, but I, I will say this. Since 1980, there have been three quarterbacks that have been drafted by a team and have started as long as Dak has started to make a Super Bowl for the first time after year seven. Wow. Ken wow. Anderson, Peyton Manning, and uh, Matt Ryan in Atlanta. That's a stat. So, so, you know, maybe the Cowboys are looking at it as like, wait a minute, he's had this opportunity. We believe we've had this good team around him. Maybe we need to sit back, hold our cards a little bit, and if he doesn't, great, we'll give him five hundred million. Who cares? <laughs> and if he doesn't, then you ha- then you have to start thinking about the future. I don't know if they're going that way, but I would think all things are on the table for the Cowboys because it's such a huge financial decision to to make and how it impacts your team going forward. That's Todd Archer, ESPN NFL insider, an all around great guy. Um Yesterday in practice, we didn't have Tony Pollard running, so we got a chance to look at those that are competing for RB2. Did anybody separate themselves? I don't know if anybody separated themselves, but all three of them, Rico Dowdle, Malik Davis, and Deuce Vaughn, had some really good moments with the first team. And that's kind of what you want to see. And you don't want to go too crazy about what you're seeing in a training camp practice because they're not game plan, they're not this. But 
you guys are out here. You've seen what this defense has been like during mm-hmm. camp. I thought yesterday might have been their best running day of camp. Now, some of that might have been the focus of practice seemed to be on the run, but, you know, Rico Dowda had a couple nice runs up the middle. Malik Davis converted a fourth and eight run. Uh, Deuce Vaughn mm-hmm. bounces outside. Deuce Vaughn is interesting, man. Like, he's 5'5". Five, five. We all know that. <laughs> right. Like, you can't see him. When he gets the ball, I don't know how the defense sees him. And so once once you get to the preseason games and they can actually tackle uh, and and it's a real game or close to a real game, that's the guy I'm most interested in seeing this Saturday against Jacksonville, Deuce Vaughn, just to see if he can kind of carry over what he's done in camp. Todd, um, to people that you've talked to, is there any concern that Pollard will go through what Gallup went through and to some sense Dak went through as the mental struggles of coming back from a major injury? No, I don't believe so because this was the, the surgery that he had. It was a it was a high ankle surgery. It was right. called a tightrope, where they just take the ligaments and they, and they wrap them around and, and and tighten it all back up. This is different than an ACL. Certainly different right. different than a dislocated and fractured uh, right ankle that Dak had in, in 2020. So they don't believe so. And if you've seen Pollard out here the last couple of days, um, really has shown some juice. Uh, both wheel routes down the sideline, getting by a linebacker, up the middle run, juking in his way through the, the through the defense. So I, I don't think there's any fear of, like, the, the mental side of that injury. And, and I think Tony's at a point where he knows he needs to have a big season if he's going to get that long-term deal, be it from the Cowboys or somebody else. So I, I, don't, I don't think that would be an issue for him uh, this year. Todd Archer joining us. Check his stuff at ESPN. And if you're not following him on Twitter, how can you call yourself a football fan? Um, let's talk about Tony Pollard and what you, you, you've seen in the, you know, the juice. How much of this is a product of this new offense? And, and, and take your, your long-term view, uh, you know, as you've seen the Cowboys over the years. Are you seeing in practice as they've installed this, I haven't heard it said very often, but this uh, Texas Coast or Tex Coast offense, are, are you seeing a difference on a play-to-play change? And if you are, what are they? I, I, honestly, no. Me either. Um, and maybe that's because I'm because uh, I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm looking at when I'm watching football. But some of this stuff is just coach speak to make it sound good that hey, we've changed this and we've done that and look what we're doing different. Now, the, the one thing I will say that does appear different is Dak's getting the ball out quicker while also taking more shots down the field. And I know mm. that doesn't sound right, but it does seem that he has more options maybe early in routes. If things don't look good, he can check it down or find a, find a different uh, receiver as an outlet. But if he has a chance, he's taking the deep route to, to Gallup, to Brandon Cooks, and even to CD a little bit. Um, but offense is offense. Like all mm. these schemes have kind of melded together over the years where there's really not that much difference. And I think Zach, uh, Dak would even tell you that. Now, some of their changes, really the biggest change is in pass protection and what they're asking the running backs to do, how mm. they're going to be blocking certain fronts. And some of it is how they get the ball out against overloaded looks and, and how they always give Dak an outlet. But, you know, they're not, they're not doing enough right now to notice a difference. But even if – I just don't see anything really truly different. They're running the same routes. There, there's really no difference there. They're running the same runs. I don't see a difference there. I think maybe more as you get into the game plan specific stuff that you see a little bit of McCarthy's West Coast philosophy come involved with it. But right now it's, it looks the same to me. What was your reaction, Todd, when Michael Gallup said this is the first year that we've been asked to count Dak's steps? They're harping on it. They're talking about it every day. You've been around the game a long time. 
Is it normal for receivers and to have to count the quarterback steps? Is that not normal? What was your reaction when you heard Michael Gallup tell you guys that? I, I, I would say this from from twenty since Mike McCarthy's got here. Okay, he has said you have to marry the quarterback's drops to the receiver's routes. That seems to be elementary football. Yes, okay, that's what we thought. That's what we thought. So, like, if a quarterback is taking a seven-step drop, well, I'd imagine that someone is running a goal route, right? Right. If it's a three-step drop, I would imagine someone is running a slant. So I don't know how revolutionary this is, uh, to be honest with you. Now, maybe they have to be more in tune with what Dak is doing, uh, but – it's all in, to me. It's incumbent on the quarterback to know. I get to my back foot and it's gone. I'm not waiting unless stuff breaks down. And you know, we were talking about this in the media tent the other day. They can draw up all these plays and they can look great, but really, what separates the best quarterbacks from everybody else is what happens when the play doesn't work. Yes. And it's a big pile of junk in front of you. And, and Dak has been good in the impromptu kind of stuff. And they practice, which sounds stupid. They practice this stuff in seven-on-sevens where they're rolling out and the receivers know where to go and to build that chemistry on things. So it's not so much how much they're drawing up and making it look all good in these fancy charts, but when things break down, then what do you do? And I I think when you look at – and that's just playing ball. And you look what Dak and CD have done, a lot of times they're playing ball. Uh, He's getting a good understanding now of Brandon Cooks. Obviously, he's had a a long rapport with Michael Gallup. So um, And even Jalen Tolbert this year, I think, has taken a little bit of a step into becoming a, a more comfortable receiver in, in what Dak does when things break down. That's Todd Archer joining us here on San Antonio Sports Star. Check his Twitter, follow him at ESPN. Uh, you brought up a good point about the uh, the, the, the chaos that uh, Dak has actually done a pretty good job in thriving when plays have bro- uh, broken down. He's been adequate, if not good. And part of that has always been his tight end, his safety net, whether it was Whitten or Schultz. Who's going to take, if you were, you know, oddsing this thing, who's going to step in? Is it Ferguson? I know Hendershot finally stepped onto the practice field yesterday. Uh, Schoonmaker got on the practice. Oh, Skin- yeah, Schoonmaker, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the second-round pick, I, I would go with Ferguson. Uh, and, but I think what's, this is going to be different. And honestly, you know, I've been covering this team so long, it was really for the longest time was Jason Witten and everybody else at tight end. And really the last couple of years has been Dalton Schultz and everybody else at tight end. Uh, they probably don't have, like, we know about running back commit by committee. I think it's really going to be tight end by committee. But if, if one guy's going to lead the room in catches, and play maybe a, a bigger role. I think it should be Ferguson. I think he should have played more at times last year. Um, Hendershot is a guy that can help in the pass game. But I think Ferguson is the closest thing they have to an every down tight end that can both block and do some things in the pass game. And it's too early to know what Schoonmaker is going to be able to do right. just because he's practiced. Uh, he's had a half of a practice, not even a full practice yet. But he's a guy that comes from Michigan a pro-style offense where they ask the tight ends to do a whole heck of a lot. Same with Sean McEwen, their, their fourth tight end at the moment, who, who might – he Linda Wells, the tight end coach, said he might be having the best camp of all of them. So I think mm. you'll see a committee approach at tight end as opposed to Dalton mm. Schultz getting 65 of the 80 catches out of that tight end room. When does Robbie Gold land? <laughs> or Mason Crosby or somebody <laughs> like that. Uh, I would say they'll, they'll be back in Frisco before – week before the what do we want to say a week before the season opener uh and they kind of told us like they're this is brandon aubrey's job right Mm. now so he gets this week he'll get the preseason game and if he does well okay you carry it into the the second preseason game 
uh, and then move on. But if it's a struggle, I don't think they view it as, gosh, we've got to get this veteran in here right now because we've got to get the timing. No, I, I think they, they believe that they can get a timing down pretty quickly with a, with a Robbie Gould or, or Mason Crosby. But money does factor into these things. And if we're, we haven't got to the Zach Martin holdout yet, but if, if that's a factor, then giving money to a kicker is also a factor when you look at how the, mm-hmm. the cap dynamics work out with this team. But I, but I think Brandon Aubrey, here's your opportunity, man. <laughs> USFL, Plano kid, MLS kid, played soccer his whole life. He's from Plano? He's, yeah. been, he's from Plano, yeah. Played, at, played soccer at Notre Dame, played in MLS. Here's the one good thing about Brandon Aubrey. His freshman year at Notre Dame, they won a national championship in soccer. His first year with Toronto FC, don't have, hold me to that's their name, Uh-oh. in MLS, they won a national championship. Uh-oh. Uh, USFL, Birmingham Stallions, I believe Uh-oh. they won a USFL title. <laughs> so, what are you saying, He's Todd? our rabbit's foot, Say baby. It, Todd. Go <laughs> Championships seem to follow this guy around. That's what I'm saying. He's the key to the Cowboys season. Weakest, weakest, weakest room on the team. If we're nitpicking, because they've looked good, they look like a February team. But what would you say if the if the coaches were sitting around? What would you feel like is the weakest room on this team? All right, so we can't say kicker because they have a guy that's not kicked in a game. So True. Okay. I would say backup offensive line has the biggest question marks to me. We know the front five. We know who the, those guys are going to be when, when Zach Martin shows up, uh, and you're going to be set there. You, you, I, I think Chuma Adoga, free agent signing, will be their swing tackle, can also play some guard. Mm-hmm. But if something were to happen to Matthew, uh, to uh, Tyler Biotish at center, I don't know who the backup center is right at this point. I don't think it's Matthew Farniak. It could be Brock Hoffman. Who, he's got some work there. Um, real questions along the interior, uh, of the, among the backup offensive line. But here's the deal. There are 31 other teams in the league that have the same problem. There's no offensive line depth really mm. in this league. So I don't know how that is just a Cowboys problem as opposed to a league problem. But if you're asking me that the biggest worry is what do they have behind their front five in the offensive line? So we're assuming uh, Cooper Rush gets to start on Saturday. Do we know? We don't know, but, you know, when McCarthy says he's leaning towards Dak not playing in the preseason, that means – but I haven't made a final decision – that means Dak's not playing in the preseason, but you're just making it look good for the league to say, I might change some things. Um, so uh, I would believe you see Cooper Rush and uh, Will Greer as your quarterbacks and maybe a handful of starters, but certainly not a whole heck of a lot of them. Uh, is there any competition? Is Greer, is there a chance he gets to? No. I don't think so because they just paid Cooper Rush a pretty oh, good deal. As <laughs> exactly. And, and, and to be honest with you, I mean – Rush did go five and one, right? Was it five and four one? And four and one. Four and one. Whatever it was. Yeah, there you go. You go five and one. Why I mean, not? Was it five? No, well, no I think it was four. We, we, I mean, we, he's got yeah, some more wins. Jack missed five games. Right. So, I mean, the guy they deserve some benefit of the doubt a little bit here at, at this point. But it's funny to me that a year ago at this time, Will Greer was going to be the backup quarterback, and he had suffered a groin injury in practice that impacted his play in mm-hmm. the preseason. And that led to the Cowboys going with Cooper Rush. I do think Will Greer remains in the Cowboys, at least on the practice squad, if not with the new third quarterback rules that, that he's still around. Hey, Todd, thanks for reaching out Thank and talking you, with us. I know it's awfully earlier on the tennis courts, <laughs> but uh, enjoy the cool weather, man. It's 100 and 
10. A thousand here. I'm, yeah, we got uh, I'm two days back home for the preseason game and then back out here. So I'll I'll gladly miss the 107 degree. Todd Archer of ESPN <laughs> Thank you, Todd. right Great here compliment. on r in the morning. Thanks for the knowledge, man. Be safe. You got it. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure to catch up. Todd's one of those great guys. You'd love to stand next to Todd at practice. Or in the press conference with Mike McCarthy. You know, him and Clarence both there, you know, holding court, sitting front row. I mean, is he one of the guys you you stepped in front of? Yeah, I stepped in front front of Todd. I stepped in front of Clarence, and Clarence let me know, hey, young fella, it's only your third camp. You wait your damn turn. If it's the 14th question, damn it. I'm serious. Like, he literally told me this inside of the beach house. Like, literally, like, hey, man, you just haven't been here long enough. And Clarence was, like, was the damn. one that was crying more than anybody. Yeah. Oh, oh, yo, when oh. I overstepped my turn, I talked out loud without raising my hand. Clarence pitched a fit. You'd have thought he'd been sniped. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. You're a great a conversation. Yeah, we're always good to hear from Todd. I love that's another great thing about camp. You get to sit and see some guys that you only get to talk to over the phone for right. a year. And uh, I'm sure Todd will be a regular here. And if you do need more NFL and Dallas Cowboy knowledge, again, make sure you're following and reading all this stuff there at ESPN. Interesting on Dak. Um, as far as the contract, you know, you have two voidable years. Like I look, Dak, they're gonna resign him. Yes. Uh, they're gonna resign him. They're clearly, but but you get the best out of him when it's on his mind. You know what I mean? Like, hey, they can actually get me up out of here if I don't get this deal done now. I can't imagine Dak Prescott playing <laughs> no. in any other uniform. Maybe at the end of his career no, holding a he's, clipboard. He's but be right a cowboy. Now. They're going to figure it out. And the reason they're going to figure it out is because, one, they don't have a better option. Two, you ain't paying him $59 million next year. He ain't Jason Tatum. <laughs> or, excuse me, Jalen Brown. Neither. Neither. <laughs> hey, coming back. Do the Houston Texans need to light a candle? The luck seems to have run out in the offseason as injuries and accusations ruled the day yesterday. We're going to look around the NFL. The gumbo, she is hot. Laissez bon temps rouler. We're talking NFL and giving you some division predictions. Next, this is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, good morning, everybody. Jason Minix here from the Blitz coming up at 2 o'clock today. We're talking Cowboys football with Shereen Williams at 515 and Aggie football with Brent Zorneman at 315. Again, the Blitz starts at 2. Hey, Rudy, how were those ribs on Friday night in Los Angeles? Did we eat? <laughs> Did we eat? I don't remember. Y'all took me damn to Santa Monica and got me no discombobulated and I forgot I had the damn ribs. <laughs> <laughs> so how could they? Well, I, honestly, do you remember? Uh, you do. Uh, no, they, were they good? I mean, they were good. They, they were good. good. Six and a half. Were they sauced? Yeah. Or dry? They're probably a little, a little bit too sauced. Cause that, and that's mm-hmm. what made me feel like what y'all hiding. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Don't get me wrong. Everybody sauces their ribs, but when you overdo it, it's kind of like, okay, what do you compensate? Let it go for? a little dry. And we all had really high end steaks that... You Kelly, didn't, Rob, you left different. Rob, you left a lot of your I steak. Did, now did. you had some things on your mind, and it was I was a little flush. But <laughs> yeah, um, that we had really good, you know, either grass fed or wagyu. But they, they, the Cali folks, they just did it a little different. They do it a little different, not, not worse, just different. Not worse, just different. Hey, we're just about done. But again, we're just the beginning of the day. Greedy's around the corner. NFL news is coming fast and fierce. As it breaks, you'll catch it right here. Make sure you're staying attached with us at SASportsStar.com. You get all your deets, everything you need right there. A couple things on what, a couple things on Todd, and kind of eye-opening for me, Rob. It's like, okay, bought the offensive line. You know, because it's, we're in Cowboy country and Cowboys are San Antonio's team, more fans and all that, we are putting too much into this backup 
offensive lineman thing. Like, ask Tom Brady last year, ask Joe Burrow. When you, I don't care who you are. If you're offensive, you lose two, three offensive linemen, and you got to move. It's, yeah, it's over. So I think we're making too much of it. Like, okay, yeah, they're gonna have offensive struggles because you know maybe still takes a while to get back. Zach Martin not there. So yeah, they're supposed to. Maybe we put too much stock into that. Anybody that loses offensive linemen, their team is going to struggle mightily. But I'll be real. I had not considered. The backup center? Yes. But who does have a backup center, Rob? <laughs> His who name was one? Zach Martin, and he's sitting at home drinking a Mai Tai. Damn, Zach can play center, too? Yeah, I think he did. Did he play Lord. a little bit of center? I think he did. If he did, I missed that one. Maybe not. The uh, the good luck streak, and I, I don't know how you parse a good luck streak with the Houston Texans, but it has been. They've had a nice little run. Oh, dude, since the, they threw a parade for D'Amico, they did the whole Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, you know, Michi's back. Re- getting Shaq Mason, get extensions for all the offensive linemen. It's just been nothing but great news. Except they, for the last two days. Yeah, except for the last two days. You lose two offensive linemen, and one of your minority owners since 2002 had a little bit, a little bit of a few issues up there in Kentucky that he's got to work around. Yeah, allegations of rape and all kinds of stuff. Files, char- the charges were brought back in May, and it's May 10th. And if I do the math, that's normally Kentucky Derby's the first Saturday in May. So maybe something went down at Kentucky Derby, the Churchill Downs. We don't know. Who knows? They haven't announced when it happened. But we do know this cat, the minority owner with the Texans, is in some trouble. And you get the sense that that's a minority share that will be for sale in the very near future. Well, you, got any, you got anything laying around, Rob? If, when there's a billion dollar uh, lottery tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you an example. So today, if you win the lottery and you win $1.5 billion, and then the, you get about eight hundred. You end tax. up with about eight hundred thousand uh, dollars in that one winning. You still would not have made as much as the Dallas Cowboys did last year. Damn, damn. But there's a salary cap. Yeah, so they get to keep some of it. Like this shouldn't even like it, the fact that you have to figure out how to pay your your Hall of Fame walking Hall of Fame offensive lineman is awful. Mm-hmm. It, it really is that, and the thing like, about I, it because I have the money. Like, hey, Zach, like I made a billion. I can pay you, but this is stupid ass salary cap they make must operate under, and I got to pay Mike and CD and Terrence Steele. And Jerry wants to pay it. I have Jerry I, I, wants to pay Zach, but he just can't. So, given that, here we sit. They'll just continue so, to get rich. So, how strongly are you feeling that Zach really goes Emmett Smith on this? And misses a couple games. Like, are you re- are you really feeling like he will, or is it, or, or is there is there a possibility at all, Rob? Percentage chance that Jerry and Zach got a wink, wink. Like, man, I know you don't want to be a training camp, and we don't need you here. I think there's something to that. And just come on back, like we, a, you know what I mean? Like, or no, or, or is this real? But I, I, if I'm Zach Martin, I'm kind of in a situation where, you know, you hold out to inflict pain. That's why you hold out. You want people to, to realize see how much you miss you me. ain't there and how much you miss me. Well, right now, I don't know how much I miss him. I know you ain't there. I don't no, get to see you smiling. Him, well, I'm just saying, this is practice. You know what I mean? I have to see pain. And if Zach Martin <laughs> won't see pain, if Dak Prescott ain't playing, they, there has to be some genuine fear. Like, if we roll this offense out in the regular season and Zach Martin ain't here, we are in trouble. And right now it's vague. It's it's down the road. We might be in trouble. We could be in trouble. Well, I think Zach's going to be sitting out until we he proves it. 
And he might not ever get paid, but at least he'll prove the point. Like, yeah, when it comes time, you know you're going to have to pay me, right? Because you saw what it was like without me in week one and week two, week three. And it made a little bit of load managing. Like, Zach, like, you're over a decade in. You're 32. Do I really want to go beat my body up? I get and it. then I can go and ask Jerry, hey, Jerry, can you wait? I know that it, according to the CBA, you can't waive the fees, but I can – I could take it out of your incentives or something. <laughs> you know what I mean, I, there's we'll a, way a way we could work around we'll it. We'll find a way to make sure. The, or maybe you just get a side gig that pays you exactly how much with the Cowboys, exactly how much you owe. And on Steel's side, because we're pulling for him, he's San Antonio slash Cibolo's own. Are they going to wait a couple games to see what he looks like to pay him, or will this get done before the season as far as Terrence Steele goes? Because Todd Archer brought up Steele's name mm-hmm. when he talked about guys you got to pay first. So. I feel, like it's imminent. I feel like it's imminent. I feel like it's imminent. Is wait a few games or going to do it so. now? I think whatever Jerry and Steven had planned is still in, in, in plan. I don't think they've affected any of their movements at all. Malik got his contract, even though we were all kind of no. shocked to see that. And if, now, what if, because I'm looking at these right tackles, what if still starts making a little bit more than Zach? Yes. Then Zach, then Zach says, wait a damn minute. I taught him everything he knows. Well, you He's know under my chicken wing and you gave him 18? I think he's gonna. I think you're Cause, right. Because the highest paid is 20, then there's 20, then there's 19, 18, 18, 17, 17, 17. So to put Steele in the top 10 above Zach, then then then, then if I'm Zach, I'm like, all right, now I'm going to stay at home. Well, that's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> I, I no think, way. Well, again, it appears by Just every by the market, match, you might but, have to. Yes. It's been four years, Zach. Yeah, somebody's going to get paid more than you. I mean, 30 guys already have. Now they'll be 32. You'll be behind. But I do think at the end of the day, he's going to get it. That would make me mad. <laughs> yes, it would make <laughs> you mad. But, you know. That would make me mad. I think that uh, while Jerry like, loves him. I taught him. He was free food until I took him under my chicken wing. Und- Shout out to Steele. Undrafted free agent. Rookie free agent. That is now about to command more than a Hall of Famer got. Yeah, I think uh, Zach has a valid point there. Uh, you know, when during the offseason, we were heard from D'Amico Ryans. He was talking about this this stupid, you got to earn your quarterback gig. You know, we... You know, we don't know who the starter is going to be, even if we drafted Bryce and lost 100 games to get him. We don't know. Now, he's been penciled in as the starter. I saw Mike Tannenbaum, failed general manager in the NFL, uh, say, uh, if the Colts start Anthony Richardson at quarterback in game one, they are doing him a disservice. Look, now now Tannenbaum didn't do good as a GM, but he knows football. I'm kidding. No, 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 no. He's still failed GM. Um. If they start them, they're doing a disservice. You know what, Rob? This depends on Jonathan Taylor. If if I can figure things out with Jonathan Taylor and make him happy again, which I don't know if that relationship is repairable. If I have Jonathan Taylor, I start him. Okay. What about C.J. Stroud? Are they doing a disservice to him in Carolina if they start him? No. They no. have they have a solid running game. There's somewhat of an offensive line left. I don't think it's a disservice. Like I don't. There's nothing wrong with sitting a guy, but a disservice rubs me the wrong way because it's like, okay, top five picks. I, like, you're a top five pick. Get out there and play every other position they do. Now, I know quarterback is a different position, toughest position in all the pro sports, but a disservice? I disagree with that. It's funny that we've come this full circle because I, I thought D'Amico was being, you know, reading oh, the it, coaches, man. Of course was, he's going to play. Was, exactly. But now that you've lost your starting center for a couple of weeks, you've lost your left tackle for the year, 
or tackle for the year, do you need to maybe reconsider the fact that you're throwing in a quarterback who ain't very big? Well, I, I still, well, he's big enough. But yeah, I, mean, I still got Damian Pierce. I have weapons for him. I would still throw him in the fire because I think him coming from the Shanahan tree. Now he can't call that that guy, whoever it is that they have calling the plays. They're not going to be able to call a game like Kyle, but you can have that same game plan where you they if there's learned anything from Kyle is how to protect your guy, how to protect him and put him in and put him in situations to make him successful. That's what they did so well under Kyle Shanahan. Now, if D'Amico and everybody else he stole from San Francisco can have that model and have that mold where it's like, okay, we're just going to keep him out of harm's way. We're going to hand the ball off. We're going to throw short passes. We're going to do some RPOs and keep him out of harm's way. Then I'm fine with it. Bleacher Report tells us they're conference champion or division champions, really, around the NFL. And the NFC East is an interesting question because – I. Depending on who you talk to, I think there's this low-end Washington might be a little scary kind of thing. If you believe in Sam Howell. Yeah. If you believe in Sam Howell, I think so. And are we putting anything into the fact, anything on the field into the fact of Danny Snyder being gone? Yes. Or that has nothing to do with on the field? I think it has a huge role to play in this year. I think when you won't see it in particular play, I think there's a matter of – I don't know what the, the lightness of being, you know, when you suddenly you have this yoke of, you know, everything you do did as a commander was under the shadow of Snyder and investigations. And are we going to get sold and who's going to get fired? And is the NFL coming by and all this? And suddenly it's all gone and the lights are on and there's new guys around. There's new coats of paint. Yeah, I think it does matter. I don't know if it translates to more wins, but I do think it'll be a much more fun team to watch just because, you know, you don't have to deal with everything coming into and out of the building. Right. You know, every time you walked into the building, somebody's asking about Snyder. And you know, you're all this. Now that's all gone. And Ryan and their coach, Riverboat, doesn't have to deal with all that anymore. Can just coach. True that. I think it matters, but it's not going to make them five games better. No, no, no. I don't think so. Now, if you. For Bleach Report, I normally go for their graphics. Their graphic team is awesome. <laughs> but they have Philly at 13 and four. And they're right. Giants 10 and seven. Cowboys 10 and seven. Washington six and eleven. That's why I like their graphics. I I got the Cowboys at minimum winning eleven games. Yeah, I mean ten so and seven, seven eleven and six. Not, I'm not going to quibble with it, but yeah. I I like the thirteen number for Philly. I do. I think they they they'll be so there. So this is going to be the first time someone's won that division back to back since Donovan McNabb. You think? Barring injury, yeah. You don't think the Cowboys are on no, par I with think Philly? they're going to be very competitive. But, I, I mean, again, uh, uh, this what is the thing, I want to be is not worried about this regular season. Can we win the playoff game? Can we win the wild card game and go? That's all I'm if worried I'm about. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm fine with 11-6 and Philly being 13-4 if one of their one or two of their losses from Philly, if, if two of the losses from Philly are from me. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, if I lose some out-of-conference games, of you know, stupid turnover, bad timeout, whatever the case may be, if I beat Philly, I'm comfortable as long as I get in, as long as I can beat Philly, I don't care if they have a better record than me. Coming back, uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to give some on this day history. Also, um, when, you, when you think of, we had an interesting debate in the break, and I want to, this is totally off. But this is the anniversary, yesterday was the anniversary <laughs> of the Dream Team in 92, t- taking 
you know, reclaiming the basketball world. And a question scrolled around. Introducing the game to the world, really. It really did. It changed. I mean, we have no Luka. We have no Wimby. We don't have that, but for that game. Right. Um, would the modern guys beat him? I know this is one of those, but this is a difficult one. See, this is the thing, Rob. It depends. This is an age thing. Guys, us, my age and up are going to be like, hell no, they wouldn't beat Jordan and them. Edwin and them will be like, yes, Giannis. And, well, it wouldn't be Giannis because Giannis is not on. Wait, you just talking about the NBA stars. It yeah, doesn't matter where we'll you're say, from. Yeah, we'll say the, the modern okay. dream team international. We'll save it for the ring. Because we're, we're calling that dream team the greatest team ever assembled. That, I think that most people, when you talk dream team, look at that and say that's the greatest team, regardless of sport, right. ever assembled. And can this grouping of modern-day players, if they were to play, I'm not saying individually the guys are greater and the Pantheon would change, but team for team, mm-hmm. who would win? We're going to talk about that. And how do you tell if your teammate is the best possible teammate? I'll tell you. You go stand next to him in the urinal. We'll talk about that next. You're an <laughs> R&R, and you're a 94-1 San Antonio sports star. You know, a couple years back, there was a news story written about the San Antonio Spurs. I don't remember who it was. Okay. They said they'd gone into the new facility and they saw something that was kind of different. That the Spurs had built a urinal into the shower. So that you didn't have to leave. You could just step over. Or so you don't pee in the shower. That's it. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't want all the teammates peeing in the shower. You never know what those Euros are doing. You don't know what they grew up doing. (laughs) That's so messed up. Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, they did. You know, everything's a little... little... Well, the bathroom's something that fascinates fascinates me uh how do you judge a teammate um is he there early is he leaving late he's doing everything he can to you know what's that a great teammate to me is a guy who's got my back that's all i ask you got my back i got yours you're a teammate and however that applies itself it's different in every situation. And to get somebody's back to take care of them, you have to be properly hydrated, right? When Absolutely. Tom Herman took over at the University of Texas, there was a, a piece of paper that we, that was, you know, passed around that made the inter, internets. And then when Trailer took over, and there's a hundred other coaches that are all monitoring this as we pay very Everybody, close attention to our them. hydration, that the, the color of your pee matters. The lighter the color, the more hydrated you are. The darker it is, the, the less hydrated you are. So you want to go, you want to pee clear. You want to look like you've had a few beers. Or you're trying to pass a drug test and you drug a gal in the water. Well, there's all that. Yeah, go on. So Jacksonville, who has got a brand new, beautiful practice facility, has installed the next uh, and the next n- level. Next level stuff. So that in their urinals, there is a small little thing that I guess you get to aim at. You have to aim at it. And it monitors your hydration level. And if you are a good teammate as you pee, a green light comes on. If you're only a kind of good teammate and it's kind of yellow, looking a little lemonade-ish, uh, bing, you get a yellow light. And then if it comes out like, I don't know, molasses, <laughs> I don't know what it is, you get, it comes out red. Comes and, uh, so if I, when I tinkle at the Jacksonville practice facility, if it's red, then I haven't had water in a you few haven't days. Had it. You have not hydrated enough. And that would make you a bad teammate. You're a bad teammate. According to Brown. Coach Trailer, you're a bad teammate. You pee brown, you're a bad teammate. You Champion- pee yellow, you're a bad teammate. So there's championship hydration level, there's selfish teammate, and then there's blatant disregard for your teammates, now, and you're headed to Area 51. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I, by my color, am probably dehydrated most of the time. I'm 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 in the I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. Like I'm not I'm not clear 
most of the time, but I'm right in the middle, so I'm selfish. Now, I will tell you. I'm selfish. I'm a little selfish. I'm a little, I'm a little selfish. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm a great teammate about 20 minutes after I get off air. Oh, God. Because for the last four hours, I've downed at least three bottles of tea, a cup of coffee, and a glass of water. I am a hell of a teammate right now. I am thoroughly hydrated. Yeah, so you early birds, I want, to, I want, to, I want us to have our own hydration chart here for <laughs> R&R. I want you all to start monitoring your color. Just let us and know. And check in with us because we want you to be hot, properly hydrated. It is one, it literally is 106. And all we want you to do is like tweet out clear. Yeah. <laughs> tweet out yellow. Hey, Rudy, this morning I was a selfish teammate. Well, well or that's it. Or I maybe, was a selfish early bird. Does anybody have a box of 64 crayons? The big box? No. We need to find the four different flavors of yellow. I bet you. So can. we could define. It's back to school. Can't find them. Oh, that's right. <laughs> forgotten about that yeah so let's keep our own little tinkle charts here edwin next time edwin goes like seven times a show so i know you're clear right edwin you know a lot of days i hope so what do you mean you don't see it you're not sitting down are you no joe joe reinagle <laughs> joe has no idea he sits down he doesn't know so he he could be a bad teammate not even know i'm gonna start monitoring mine i want to be a good teammate I, I think we should we should we put that up in the bathroom Let's do it. Longhorn football. We'd have the uh, sports star hydration levels. Championship hydration levels. Selfish teammate levels. We'll come up with our own chart. Blatant disregard for your teammates. You are headed to Area 51. Now, that was from uh, Herman. That's Tom Herman. That was Tom Herman. Now, when we were at the race, what is it, the racetrack where the UST practices? Is it called the racetrack? Something like that. With their practice facility, when you go into one of the uh, stalls in that facility, they have their own chart up there too. Because I was kind of, you, 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 it automatically puts it on your mind. I started looking down. I was like, oh damn, trailer wouldn't sign me. He wouldn't sign me. To this stuff. It would look mine look like no. le- mine look like lemonade. We're not drug testing. I just want to look at it. Now, which one is this that you pulled? Oh, this is a Roadrunner. The Roadrunner P chart is what went one and zero oh and won the day. That's when you're great. Two is selfish teammate. Three is mental and physical weakness. Four is juiceless and useless. <laughs> and if you're peeing four, you need to go to the if doctor. If you're juiceless if, and useless, if, that means you're just slamming coke. If that is coming out of you, you got more problems than hydration. Yeah, no. that is a definite problem. Yeah, that's yeah. See, that's not yeah. That's that's no good. So we got to come up with the R and R P chart because you know we're, we're good up, teammates. Yeah, we're getting up there in age, and we need to monitor our hydration. And it is one oh six. So, I mean, when it's 106 outside, you need to be hydrated. So the uh, use, juiceless and useless is not part of the pyramid of power. What is it that the uh, <laughs> the pyramid of the rhombus of reckoning, like the triangle of truth? Yeah, there you go. No, it's the yeah, triangle the, of toughness. Triangle of toughness. Part of that is not being juice or is being juiceful and useful. In your championship Juiceless mindset. and useless. I need to put that in my toilet. You need to have your own little. And why would they need? I guess it's so. You know, but no. So you know, but no. I think that's not for you. That's for the guy standing behind you. Oh, damn. I mean, I can look down and see the stream. I know if I'm. But do you register when you go to the urinal? Do you have to like check in so they I, know? No. What I think, like, I think every now and then they you, they take your cup. Like, let's and go take a look at and this. And if your cup ain't at the right color. They're 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 gouging you with water over the next couple of so weeks. So do they force like Gatorade on you? Do you have to go sit and have a little water break if you're like, hey, you're gonna have to hydrate. Sit down, have an apple slice. Yeah. And see now even Gatorade, 
It, yeah, most times with Gatorade now, Robin, I saw this at the Cowboys facility. They don't have the regular Gatorade any longer. It's too much sugar. No, true. It's all the zero sugar Gatorade that they they pass out now. So Gatorade, yeah, Gatorade's a thing of the past. The the original version, anyway. How old were you in 1992? In 1992, I was 15. I was engaged and uh, married on this date. Happy anniversary August again. August the 8th, 1992 was a day that rang true in my life for a lot of reasons. The Dream Team won the Barcelona Olympics, won 1785, and I got married. Um, the Dream Team is considered the greatest team of all time, but could they beat the modern NBA stars? I'm talking about the internationals included. Yeah, just a, just a team of the best NBA players. No. It's hard to fathom a team that could roll out and beat a team with Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, David Robinson. I, I mean, it's just hard to even begin to. But the game is so different, man. You give me Embiid, Joker, Steph. Giannis, Steph, Luka, Booker, KD. I think they outscore them. I don't They're think they beat, beat them up, but I think, they, they I think are, the new kids beat them. I think they they probably dog walk 92. I think they do. They would beat up on the '92 Dream Team, dude. Like Larry now, Bird, I don't, 50. yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't remember who Larry Bird was inducting, but I remember it was at the Hall of Fame, and Larry Bird got up there and said, "I hear all these old guys talking about this guy, that guy couldn't play in this era." He goes, "I guess y'all haven't seen LeBron James. I guess y'all haven't seen Steph Curry." He goes, "These guys are way better than we ever were." I now would- I don't know if Larry was just being nice. They are better. Go put on a game and watch a basketball game and how they play defense. Not in the paint, because everybody's standing around in the paint in 1991. Watch your edge defense. There is no way Larry Bird, out at the (laughs) three-point line, stays in front of any small forward in the NBA today. He can't. He won't. He wouldn't. He can't guard Kevin Durant? No. No. Can Kevin Durant guard him? Uh, probably not. Now, keep in mind, Larry Bird was on Budweiser and laying on his back in 92. Yes, he but was, let's just say he could play. We'll yeah. just keep everybody full strength. Larry, I still take the new kids. I would, too. And I, I mean, Sorry, I'm, old guys. I, I, and I'm an old guy defender because I think they would, they would tough up and they'd do some things to these guys that they had never seen before. Those guys would be walking off the court battered and bruised. They wouldn't feel good in game two. <laughs> but it's hard for me to admit the fact that the guys today – are just better all around. They're just better. They can do things that David Robinson never dreamed of. I don't know if Stockton could stay in front of Dame Lillard. No, there's no way. <laughs> what are you talking about? It would be an utter disgrace. Now, he dropped some dimes. I'm yeah. not saying that Stockton wouldn't be competitive, but he wouldn't be able to defend him. Hey, this has been a fun show. If you missed any of it, there's but one place to go to sasportstar.com. Go to that audio vault. We stock it full. It's up to you to go read it. Rudy, i got some work to do. We'll see you tomorrow.